If you find yourself enjoying this episode of the Tail Lights Podcast, please take the opportunity to rate us five stars and write a review if you can. Thanks for tuning in to the Tail Lights Podcast. I'm Eric Thormalen, and over the course of my spring break, I was all over the roads of Texas, traveling from Houston to Matagorda, on up to Schulenburg, out to Bandera, up to Menard, and then like a boomerang, I came back almost the exact same way I went out. I made stops in Schulenburg and Bandera for the purpose of interviewing retired high school football coaches Tommy Bluda and Mike Williamson. This introduction will be found on both episodes. So if you're listening to your second download, feel free to fast forward at this point and go on to the interview. This introduction is specifically to thank both coaches that took their time to share their careers with each listener. I spent nearly six hours with Coach Bluda and around 11 with Coach Williamson. We only recorded about half that amount of time and actually with Coach Bluda we ended up recording twice because we had an issue the first time that was my fault. I really appreciate Coach Bluda letting me come back and I greatly appreciate the amount of time both men so willingly gave up for this and can't thank both enough. I really hope that coaches around the state will listen to this podcast and benefit from it. With that being said, I have to make sure I let each of you know that it may be a little while before episode three becomes available. Unless I find a coach or two in the area, I'm going to have to wait until I can get on the road again and conduct several of the interviews that I have received verbal commitments on as we go forward into the summer. The good news is track season only has a few weeks left and summer is coming before we know it. An important thing for listeners that don't know me, I'm not a reporter. The agreement that I had with both men I've interviewed is that we would have a good conversation about their career and if they had any issues with anything they said or anything I said, we'd edit it out. I'm doing this as a way to help teachers, coaches, administrators, and even board members all around the state of Texas that care to listen. While I have about a dozen or so uh, more to get to this summer, I'm wide open for suggestions of who I should cover. If you know an educator that would be a great interview and will take this opportunity, I assure you we can record a podcast that not not only benefits coaches around the state, but gives his or her children or grandchildren a great way to go back and listen to their loved one talk about their career. If the person slips and says something that they don't want published, or even after the fact asks if I can pull a certain section, I'll do it without hesitation. That's a guarantee. Again, I'm a coach, an educator, not a reporter. So please send an email to taillightspodcast at gmail.com. That's T-A-L-E-L-I-G-H-T-S podcast at gmail.com and hook me up with some people that you'd like to hear from. Thanks again for downloading, subscribing, or just listening. I hope you enjoy the podcast and find it to be an enlightening discussion that brings one or two things in the mix in your life that could be of benefit to you and the kids you serve. Do you have a question you'd like to ask either individual I've interviewed? Send me an email and I'll look at uh, doing a follow-up interview with them at some point and include your questions. I know as I've listened to both, I've thought to myself, I should have asked this or I should have asked that. This podcast is going to uh, be a lot better with participation from the audience which is you. So please don't be shy. If you have someone all the way out in the panhandle, I imagine I can convince my very generous cousins, Jonna and Steven, special shout out to them for watching my old hound dog, Millie, during the trip that brought you both of these podcasts. I'm sure I can ask if they'll watch Millie while I take the long road trip in July, and I hope they say yes, and maybe make a a long trip that produces another great podcast. 
I want to thank one last time both Coach Bluda and Coach Williamson for inviting me into their homes and letting us all look into their lives for a few hours. These two men have done so much over the years for kids, and when you, ha uh, when you hear these interviews, it'll be clear to you all that kids have done uh, for, for both of these individuals as well. If you're a potential person that would like to be interviewed or family member of someone uh, that puts me in touch, listen, I understand if you don't want a man with a mullet coming to your house. I can visit with you on the phone and walk you through the process of how we can easily record this uh, without me having to come to your house. We can do it um, even in multiple segments, 10 to 30 minute periods over the phone. It's not an issue. I have all the equipment to do it. All you need is a smartphone. Easy for a man with a flip phone to say, but I link to you with my iPad and we go right to recording. It's an extremely simple process that will require you to download one app at a cost of zero dollars. So if you don't want your neighbors wondering who the mullet man is that just walked in your house, or you have a lot of spring cleaning to do and you just don't want anyone in your house because you haven't done it, it's not a problem. We can still get this done. Enjoy both episodes, everyone, and know that more will be on the way shortly. Look for several more episodes coming in June or sooner. Thanks again for listening. Now, let's go on inside and sit down with Coach for a bit and find out what it's all really about. I'm here with Coach, uh, retired head football coach Tommy Bluda. Um, coach Bluda, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it, Eric. And uh, we're going to be discussing, going through uh, year by year, different years, uh, different places, uh, each of the places that Coach Bluda was the head football coach and at three of the four places where he was athletic director uh, over the course of his 31-year career. Um, I'll start with a, a question, where did you grow up and what did your parents do? Well, Eric, I grew up uh, real close to here, Schulenburg, in Gonzales, Texas, <clears throat> and went to high school there and, and played all the sports and, uh, you know, uh, had three, three older brothers. Uh, Mom worked uh, odd and end jobs around Gonzales. My dad owned a full service station, is what we call them back then, where they would actually check your tires and check your oil and you know, do that type stuff. And he owned that he, uh, in, in the middle of town and he ran that for a very long time. And like I said, it was a typical small town in America. Did you work there in the summers? Oh yes, I got volunteered to work there a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you always thought you were working. Oh, you're working so hard. And then you look up and your 50 year old dad is working harder than you <laughs> are. So yeah. you kind of realize the older you get, you kind of realize that, uh, you know, you, you thought you worked a lot more than you did, and you should have worked a lot more, probably. Yeah. I bet there were a lot of, a lot of interesting people that came and went through that area. Yeah. The funniest, the best was, we had the Willie Nelson 4th of July picnic in Gonzales in the mid-70s. And you talking about some different people stopping by there. <laughs> <laughs> there's oh, about wow. 20,000 people there and that, that's you know Gonzalez got about 5,000 in the town wow and it was just a <clears throat> you know, that was a crazy experience to see the people that actually uh, came to that concert and it, it was it was different I'll say that hmm. very different yeah so. yeah well, um, when did you know uh, that you were gonna be a coach I think my uh Junior year in high school is when I kind of mapped it out and I kind of knew the direction I wanted to go. And like I said, I had a, a good coach that uh, you work real hard with this coach, Coach Jerry Bibbins. 
<clears throat> and Jerry's still living today. He lives in the same house he's always lived in, Gonzalez. His wife's passed away. and His son's one of my better friends growing up. And uh, Coach Bivens made it real fun. You knew that, you know, somehow when you can get out of college, if you can get paid for doing what Coach Bivens did, then you understood why you wanted to do the same thing. It, it, it was fun. We competed hard. Uh, he communicated real well. He motivated real well. And, you know, it was certainly uh, a, a profession that I wanted to do early in high school. So. Any other key influences besides Coach Bivens? Probably the one would be the – I had a couple, two or three, two, probably two ADs and head football coaches when I was in high school, but Erwin Codry, in fact, Erwin was a superintendent later in Gonzales for a long time after being a his football coach, but he was the same way. He he, <clears throat> he was real close to what Coach Bivens was. Erwin was uh, funny as heck, and he kept things like uh, work your tail off, but at the same time, uh, you know, you, a lot of times you didn't even feel like it was work because, again, uh, you had a lot of fun and, and you did things. And we didn't win particularly. We were probably a 500 team in football in my high school career. And, you know, with the one team going to the playoffs, when we first, when I played, it was one team. And uh, Quirrell was always in our district and they were always uh, decently good, of course. And uh, we didn't have a lot of opportunities for the playoffs in football because of the, especially the one team playoff. Mm. Yeah, I was uh, discussing the whole districting situation and you know of course we recorded this the other day and you know the whole deal was flat so I guess the deal was muted or the microphone was messed up or something along those lines and you know you and I were visiting about this too and when you get your district and it comes out and if you're in Gonzales you're that close to Cuero you really can't run from being in a district with Cuero it's almost uh sometimes you can be in a uh, district when they only allowed three in or even now four in, and it's it's a little bit discouraging when your district comes out. How discouraging was it with the Quero in your district every year and one getting out? With one team getting out, and, and you knew that, like I said, they were, you know, they won state championship in 73 and 74 and maybe lost it in 75. So they won two and then lost the third one in a row in the championship game. And that was the time that I was playing in Gonzalez. And, <clears throat> you know, you don't ever want to say, oh, we don't have a chance, but, um, you know, we played, them in tw we played them twice and they convincingly beat us twice. Mm -hmm. Number one, they were a much better team, much better athletes, and uh, like I said, we didn't fare real well against them. I'll say that. Uh, but you, you fared pretty well in basketball? In yeah, basketball school? was a little bit different sport in Gonzalez. Vic Salazar uh, Vic was a, in fact, he was superintendent in Gonzales, you know, uh, a few years ago. In fact, he was the last, before the superintendent now, he was a superintendent up to 2010, I think. And, uh, boy, you talking about running a staunch ship. Uh, you did things the right way with Coach Salazar. Uh, you know, you ran a lot, you pressed a lot, and you did things the right way. If you didn't do things the right way, I don't care if you were a freshman or a senior, uh, you were going to sit down and visit with Coach Salazar during the game because he's not going to play you if you can't do the things that his expectations. If you see a ball on the floor, you better dive on the ball. We practiced rolling the ball out and practice and diving on the basketball and get up or try to get up and pass the ball off. So it, we even worked on that stuff. 
and his expectations were, uh, when that ball's on the floor, you better go get it. But that's the type of person he was. And, uh, you know, that was my senior year. And my junior year, uh, we won state championship in basketball. And that was Vernon Hill. Vernon Hill was our coach my junior year. And Coach Hill, we had an exceptional player, Dennis Teeler, uh, went to University of Houston. And, uh, you know, if you're a Division One athlete in a small school, you are going to dominate the heck out of that game. And that's exactly what Dennis did. He dominated the game just like a Division One player. Supposed to, he made everybody better, and that's what my brother and I always said. That Dennis was the type of athlete that if he didn't have a shot, he's gonna pass it off, and you're gonna get the shot because people sagged on him, of course. And he would, you'd pass it in there, they'd sag on him, he'd kick it back out, and he'd take the shot. And it made the life easier on the guards outside because they crammed the middle on him so much. But he was by far the best basketball player. I'd ever seen and still until I saw and I think I mentioned him the other day, Carlton McKinney from Nixon Smiley, mm-hmm. who ended up playing in the NBA, went to SMU and played in the NBA. And certainly Carlton has to be at the top with Dennis now that those are the two best basketball players I've ever seen in that area. Nixon Smiley understands not the twenty five, thirty miles from Gonzalez. So that was, you know, if those two basketball players came from within thirty miles apart. Mm-hmm. So you played on the same team with your brother? I played. I was a sophomore when my brother was a senior. Okay. So I didn't play as much. I was played a lot on the JV because we had a very good program in Gonzales. And, uh, you know, it was hard to crack the varsity level as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't have many people do it. We did my senior year, uh, the year it was after we won state. Uh, we had a freshman up there, but he was 6'6". Six, six. And uh, he was young, but he could he could play. And uh, he ended up going to TLU later in his career, so he was a pretty good player in, in himself. Gotcha. How, how – uh, you have a couple of older brothers than the one that you played on the team with? Is three older brothers. Three older brothers. I've got three older brothers, and I'm the youngest. And like I said, that I, I always thought it, it really helped me because we, we they had always helped me, you know, always tagged along. We're going to play baseball today. We're going to play football today. We're going to go play basketball and uh, it, it, it made you grow up because you had to grow up because, uh, you know, they were older brothers and they played the game a little different than a younger one would and you figured out that you, you had to either raise your game or get killed in the process. So, uh, grow up or grow get up. left out. That's, That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it really did <clears throat> help my athletic career with my older brothers. My dad didn't have time. He, he worked and worked. Did a lot, of, a lot of work at the station, and, and then he had a form, and uh, didn't have a lot of time. So my brothers really, like I said, with the athletic part of it, uh, really helped a lot, certainly. Hmm. So, high school's over. Uh, what did you decide to go? Where'd you go after high school was over? I went to TLU for one year, mm-hmm. and it was uh, you know, in Seguin, about thirty miles from Gonzales, so it was real close. And uh, then financially, you know, I was. <clears throat> You know, my parents, you know, they had the poor boys, so I didn't expect my parents to pay for college. So uh, I talked to my older brother, and I moved in with him in Austin and ended up going to St. Ed's University, and he could save me a lot. He, he saved me a lot of money, by let, allowing me to live with him rent-free, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a blessing because, again, 
you know, you're trying to pay for an education and you have to borrow a little money and you have to spend a little money. <clears throat> and uh, St. Ed's was a great place. I I'd recommend that highly to anybody in South Austin on top of the hill. They were called the Hilltoppers for a reason. It is on a hill in South Texas and it's a beautiful campus in Austin. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed the experience. And like I said, went to college there three years and, uh, and uh, got out. And then I, like I said, started what I was going to do after my junior year of high school. I knew to be a coach when I got out. So, Did you student teach coming out of St. Student Ed's? taught at Austin Travis High School, and it was a great experience. Sonny Myers was my my uh, cooperating teacher, and I'll never forget this. He had oh, a couple, he was head coach there, and he had a couple of PE classes. And, you know, the first day I go up there, and you go, okay, I'll just we'll go out there together and, We'll see what they're doing. I think they were playing, had a soccer class. I mean, that's what the P, it was a big, it was 5A school. So they had a soccer class. Was That's what you did. That's what you played. It wasn't for the school soccer team. It was a soccer PE class. And I go out there and, and, uh, and I expect Coach Myers to come out there with me. He pitches me the keys and pitches me the uh, roll sheet and said, there they are. Go to it, and that's where I, I started on it. And like I said, that was a long time ago, but I remember it was a really, really good experience for me. And, and and I was, and it wasn't, it was a mile from my where we lived in the apartment, and it was a, you know, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a, even though, like I said, you're you're kind of apprehensive when they give you that what, and they don't, you know, you're out there by yourself and you're with it and you're starting it. Uh, but it's still, it, you're, you're playing soccer. You're, you're not building a rocket ship. So it really, you know, you, right. you figured it out. Yeah. And, and you had fun doing it. And you had fun with the kids. You're not but two, three, three years, four years older than some of the kids right. that you're in that soccer class. So we had a good time with it, really. I mean, that was a long time ago. And it was probably a little bit easier back then than you'd probably do that today with, with, with some of the kids that are in our school systems today especially the PE side of it because you know now if you're a real soccer player they've got a real soccer program for you a real you know you're right whatever it is so a lot of the a lot of the time with you know regard to PE classes um yeah I remember in Bernie I had when I got to Bernie I had a PE class and uh there were 86 kids in PE class 86 I talked to a coach friend of mine from Fall City. They were playing in Bernie one time, and Travis Early, uh, Travis still coaches over there. And I asked Travis how many how many uh, people do they have in the school. He said eighty one. Travis, he said I got I got more in my PE class than y'all have. <laughs> so that was a that was an eye opener for me being yeah. a young coach that you, you know you, you have. Oh God, buddy! What do you do with eighty six in a PE class? You divide them up. I had uh, I, God, I forget the other coach that was with me, and uh, you divide them up as much as you can, even. But what do you do with forty? You yeah. go play tennis? No. You go play baseball? Well, there's still only ninety nine. Uh, it was it was a difficult. We we lifted a lot. We conditioned a lot. Uh, went out the track, and a lot of people, a lot of those kids, you know, they really did. Enjoy the conditioning part of it, but boy, anytime you took them outside, they they're, whew, they could scatter, and that was was as long as you kept four walls, any <laughs> weight yeah. room, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. were, you were a little bit better, yeah. better off. 
Any complaints about playing time ever in PE? <laughs> okay. That's a good point. Just kidding, of course. Um, so you're done with your student teaching. Where do you end up starting your coaching career at? I uh, interviewed at about five or six different places. Eddie Joseph is my first interview, and uh, and that was a great experience. Uh, you know, as good a person as he was in Texas High School Coach Association, and uh, and then I interviewed in uh, another probably one of my better interviews was at Quero, and that was with Buster Gilbert and. and if anybody knows anything about gobbler football in Quero, Buster Gilbert's name would probably come up more than once. He was a coach in the 70s, and uh, he's the one that led Quero to the state championships there. And, uh, and then I went to Yorktown. It was Joel Lawson was there, and, uh, and uh, I ended up taking the job in Yorktown because it offered me a position of head basketball. And I, of course, like I said, we had one state basketball, and, and I knew – football and I knew basketball and uh, it was a great experience. Uh, that, that's a little scary sometimes too when you're the head coach at 23 years old and certainly you've got 18 and 19 year olds now that are playing basketball for you. And, but uh, again, like I said earlier, it, it's, it's something you're comfortable with. So it's really not that crazy difficult that, oh, I can't handle this, you know, again, yeah, it was it was a lucky situation that it was a different era, and so it, it wasn't it wasn't as complicated as a lot of people think it was. So basically, you you chose Yorktown to start at because because it offered a head coaching opportunity yes. as opposed to Quero. And plus, I was you know football wise, I think I was uh, I don't JV football maybe working with JV football and. Uh, to me, it was the and it, and I was probably you know how you get uh, first impressions probably a little bit more comfortable with Coach Lawson and and what he was saying and 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 what he was trying to do with the program in Yorktown and uh, and uh, you know I Joey did a very 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 good job with Yorktown uh, for the first four years I was assistant first four years mm -hmm. and and he did a tremendous job there the first four years. Gotcha. So, uh, so you spend four years being the head basketball coach there, and then assisting him, and you guys are kind of building up that program. And then, so how does it how does it go down that you become? Uh, before I ask you that, I'll ask you anything any any good stories out of the basketball time that you'd like to share before I go into the football. Not not Cause, exactly because we don't get I... to we don't get to turn back once we start this. <laughs> not it's... the ones that I could probably share with you. Gotcha. It, it was fun. We mm -hmm. had a great time. Uh, I remember one kid, especially Charlie Carrera was his name, and Charlie was a he was a good basketball player. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, uh, our role with him is that you rebound and don't dribble. You don't ever dribble the ball. If you dribble the ball, turnovers coming. And we used to laugh about that. And but but it got. To the truth, where even the kids were saying, "Tell Charlie to pass him the ball once he got it," and uh, it was it was a good group of seniors. We had a lot of good seniors, but again, it was still only one team mm -hmm. going to the playoffs there. So, did y'all have some success? We had some good. We we did. It took us. We were in playoffs a couple years, and the and the third year, fourth year, uh, it went up to two teams in the playoffs, mm -hmm. and we got in behind Nixon Smiley. Of course, that was the Carlton McKinney that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. So we got in, uh, and that's where we ended up going to the regional tournament 
uh, the fourth year. So, and that's when the position opened up for football. Uh, is after year four of of being there. Gotcha. So, that's nineteen eighty three, correct? Right. That's nineteen eighty three. Spring of eighty three. What was it like coaching the first ever playoff win in Yorktown? Well, number one, like you had said earlier, we we. Joey did a tremendous job of building that program to get it where it was at. Mm-hmm. Now we had we the best athletes we we had in Yorktown might have been the first year we got there in 1979 physically, but mentally it was a work mentality. It was all those things attributed to making it to the playoffs, which we weren't ready for. So uh, you know Joey had to instill the, the weightlifting, the discipline, and all that good stuff that goes along with winning uh, in our program. And we reaped the benefits. We were the third year I was there. We were five and five, and the fourth year is is like I said. We were we took over and uh, and uh, the playoffs. Uh, a lot of good athletes. I uh, just remember that that even in 1983, you know, we had a lot of tremendous athletes, and uh, it was exciting. I uh, that we ended up playing Woodsboro in the by district in Victoria on a Saturday night. And uh, ended up winning that game 27 to nothing. But uh, I bet it was 8,000 people there at least. Because they came to see, number one, it was a rematch. We had beaten Woodsboro 7 to nothing the first year, the first game of the season. And uh, people wanted to see a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in 30 something years, 37 years. How many people live in Yorktown? Uh, 2,000 on a good day. Mm-hmm. And Woodsboro? Uh, about the same. Yeah. I mean, Woodsboro so, is not a huge, uh, right on the other side of Referio. And, and Woodsboro back in that day, Don Long uh, was the coach in Woodsboro. And his son coaches. And in fact, his son coaches in Edna right now, I think, Jerry, and good friend of mine. Uh, and Don was, uh, boy, they did, he did a good job with those athletes in Woodsboro. But, but it was an exciting time. It was an exciting time for the community. Anytime you can win uh, football games in the playoffs in, in South Texas, kind of excites the town, gets the town. On, and especially, you know, a town that hadn't been there in a while. Uh, and uh, like I said, it, it, it was a good feeling to, to be a part of that, to be a part of a lot of good kids who worked at it and understood <clears throat> after two or three years what it took to be successful. So, so it takes a few more years for you guys to get back to the playoffs. And, I mean, you know, again, just so people understand, because only a few get to go, uh, you know, there's – especially with the, the records that you have there, the, the fewest games you ever, you know, win in a season where were four games, that would get you in the playoffs these days. I mean, for sure. I've, I've uh, – one year as as principal out there in Menard, they went one and nine, you know, and but we won the one game we needed, and we're in the playoffs. You know, we were that team that you see in the in the newspaper going into the playoffs, and you know they got valuable experience out of it, and 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 so on, uh, getting there and made a little run the next, you know, and everything. But for y'all, it's a little different world because of the limitations of how many get to the playoffs. So it takes a few years for you to to get back. Were people patient, or did they expect? More success after initial well, success. <clears throat> success definitely sparks success. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the people uh, and, and the fans, uh, you know, I, I don't think it was some, it was crazy. I mean, I, I think the, the uh, fans at that juncture knew that we probably didn't have the athletes we had in 83. 
And uh, but it took a while. I think it took a couple of years uh, to get us back in the playoffs. And uh, and uh, you know when we got back in the playoffs, there was a tendency we ran the tables a little bit more in the next five or six years after that, because again now you had uh, a lot of our junior high kids who were now high school kids. And uh, junior high is probably I, I can tell you for flatly it's the biggest part of your program. And if you don't take care of your junior high. You may win immediately, but you're not going to win in the future. And uh, we, we did a great job with our junior high kids and junior high athletes. And uh, we got the numbers to the high school. That was always big. And, and those kids with the numbers uh, were, were more physical because of our weight programs and stuff like that. And uh, it, it got us to the cycle where we could win continuously. And, uh, you know, I think it was... I know we won in 86. I don't think we were in the playoffs in 87. And then 88, 89, 90, 91, we were in the playoffs. So, you know, it came. But it came gradually. But once it got there, uh, you know, like I said, that was a year end thing for us. Yes, sir. 1991, you guys end up getting all the way to the quarterfinals there. And, and so as as things are winding down there in Yorktown, uh, on that end of your career what brings about uh the conclusion there were you were you just feeling like it was time for a change of scenery or yeah yorktown was a you know and it, and it still is my, my wife sarah her family still lives there and it's a great community mm -hmm. and uh and uh like i said we 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 had the 91 season was a very memorable season again very good athletes i remember our quarterback was brad metting brad was a exceptional high school quarterback uh, you know Corn City was very difficult in our district they were very good at that time and of course Referio was in our district uh, and we ended up beating Referio two years in a row we beat him in 90 and 91 so you, you can put a stamp on your program when you can compete with the Referios of the world so we really did put a stamp on our program and like I said ended up going to the quarterfinals and I think we ended up losing to a Schulenberg team. That's kind of ironic. Yeah. Uh, but we lost to a Schulenberg team in the quarterfinals. And again, that's another stamp. Is it? That that's uh, you know that team coached by David Hoosman. David, uh, you know, I've known David for a long time. And uh, <clears throat> the thing with that is uh, that, like I said, you can compete with the Referios and Schulenbergs of the world. Uh, you want that. You know, you, you want to if you if you get the next challenge, you want it at a, at a very good school. And, and Columbus had come open, and uh, you know, you kind of throw your name into the pot and see what happens. And uh, I was very fortunate to uh, be selected as a head football coach in Columbus, which, like I said, that started there in '92. Right. <clears throat> so, uh, in Yorktown, um, one thing I like to ask is. And, and restaurants come and go, of course, but people may be headed to a game, might be listening to this interview on the way to the game, excited for the first week of football or something. And what is, uh, if you're headed to Yorktown, where do you need to stop to eat at? Well, you know, the, the, the place today is called 5D. Uh, it was a unbelievable restaurant in, in, a, in a small town of America uh, in Yorktown. And it's just, a, it's a great place to eat. The, the places, again, that, that were there, well, Dairy Queen's probably the only place that was there now that was back there 25 years ago, 30 years ago. So, uh, of course, uh, there were a lot of good places back then, but again, they kind of closed up. The oil boom here, mm -hmm. oil boom not here. 
but uh, the 5D place is a newer place. It's a few years old, and uh, certainly if you're going to Yorktown to a football game, you, you want to stop there. Certainly you gotcha. want to stop there. Yeah. And I don't get a cut out of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. an advertiser I, for Absolutely. I know good food. You can look at me and tell you I, yeah. I know good food. So. I, I just want our, our listeners to know that um, – if, if nothing else, they might get a, a better idea of where to get a good meal you totally. know, on, on a Friday night before exactly. the game. Uh, exactly right. Uh, did you have any kids in, in Yorktown? go to? Because I, I know where we're going with Columbus and Bernie, there's going to be some kids that make it pretty big in the sport of football. Did you have any in, in Yorktown? We had one, Larry Bassbinder. Larry was offensive tackle, defensive tackle for us in the probably late 80s. And uh, <clears throat> his mom worked at the high school. Lovely lady, Algerine Bassbinder, and uh, Miss V is what we used to call her. And uh, basically, she took care of the coaches. She took care of the coaches. If you had to do something, you come to her, and Miss V said, I'll get it done. I'll get it. You know, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. But Larry ended up, uh, he about 6'5, 6'4, uh, 280. Mm-hmm. Ended up going to Baylor, played at Baylor for five years, started the last two years. His last victory of his high school, I mean, of his college career was in uh, Darrell Royal Stadium, and they beat Texas 51-7 or 51 to nothing in his last game. God. That's when Baylor was, and that was, uh, you know, a good time for Baylor football, certainly, and certainly not as good time for Texas football, to mm-hmm. say the least. But uh, Larry is a CPA, got his own firm, uh, very, very smart person, very smart, you know, and uh, of course you have to get into Baylor. You, you, mm-hmm. you have to be. And uh, he got his he redshirted there, of course. So he got five years of scholarship there. He got everything. Got his master's degree the fifth year. So he was ready to come go to work after that. So what what was the the neatest stadium that you guys got to play in and all those playoff runs in Yorktown? In Yorktown, you know, we didn't play in probably the bigger bigger stadiums until we got to Columbus. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we played some, probably in San Marcos. We played Schulenburg in San Marcos at, at Bobcat Field. And to, to us, that was a, are you kidding me? That was a Metroplex. That, that was a huge, huge place. Right. And and it was a good environment for our kids at Yorktown. That, you know, to understand, you know, we played in Victoria and, and places like that in the playoffs. And, uh, but San Marcos certainly would probably be the better venue. I think they've got two or three Dairy Queens in San Marcos, no doubt. <laughs> I would think there's at least. <laughs> oh, um, so Columbus, um, when you put in for that job, uh, was there like a big, one of those big interview committees that you have to go before, or was it kind of a simpler time, simpler process? It was a small committee. It was a principals. It was a teacher. It was a coach. It was about six or seven. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was a, a good time in you know, Columbus football. Bob Gillis had been there for a couple of years, and Bob was going to El Campo, and uh, Bob's super guy, super person. I have a thousand percent respect for Bob Gillis and what he stood for in Texas High School Coaching Association. And um, I talked to Bob about, uh, you know, when I was interviewing, they said that, you know, you're not going to have many assistants to bring in, and, you know, that's always worrying you. And I talked to Bob, and Bob said, don't worry about it. He said, the assistants you've got there are very loyal, they're very good. And if you choose not to take the job, that's not that shouldn't be your reason. He said, "There, you don't worry about that. Just trust him in that situation." And uh, he was 100 uh, percent correct. 
because the staff ended up to be probably one of the better staffs I've, I've been around and I inherited 95% of them. Mm-hmm. And I, I mentioned this the other day when we weren't recording anything um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, the, the year I got to go to that Hall of Honor, Hall of Fame deal for the Texas High School Coaches Association, he got inducted and he was just an amazing speaker. So I could see how and I don't mean in a in a salesman type way, you know. I didn't I didn't want to you know buy a used uh, sports coat off of him or or a car or anything. He just you know just so you could see it coming from feel it coming from the heart and everything right. else. What he was saying up there, he was just so genuine. So I could see that that would be someone you'd feel very comfortable with taking their advice. Yeah, and, he could sell ice to an Eskimo. Yeah. He he could he had a gift of gab, and when I say that, I mean that is a huge positive. I don't mean that is. Well, he didn't have anything to say. Right. He, he was that type of person that uh, you listen to. Mm-hmm. He was hilarious. He was, yeah. his sense of humor is unbelievable. Uh, and uh, it just that type of person, like you said, when, when Bob told me that everything would be okay with the assistance, I certainly uh, uh, believed him and certainly he was definitely telling me the truth. So you, you come into Columbus and is the success immediate? Yeah, the 92 season, I think we ended up going to the second, probably third round in the playoffs. And uh, Ryan Schobel, the oldest of the Schobels, uh, was our quarterback. And uh, Ryan ended up going to Angelo State. And I've always said if, if, if Ryan would have come after the, the, the other guys, Bo and Matt and Aaron, I, I really think uh, Ryan was a Division I athlete also. Maybe not a quarterback. Mm-hmm. He played safety in college, and I think he would have been a – safety at a D1, but, you know, it, it was just a start uh, of the recruiting process there on, on the Shovel Boys in uh, Columbus, and uh, Ryan did a, oh, God, tremendous job quarterback. He stepped in, and, you know, we put the very in, and, boy, you have to read this, and, and, and he just, he did a really good job of it. The best you could probably do of, of only having one year with it, because it's not the easiest thing to do. Uh, our quarterback start in seventh grade reading reading those veer plays mm-hmm. and uh, it, it becomes more natural certainly uh, to kids who are in our program but um, Ryan didn't have that luxury and he stepped in and boy did a very good job of, uh, of, of executing the veer offense for us and uh, had some good running backs uh, Sean Sutton and Rishon Brown. Rishon ended up going Texas State uh, after his uh, the next year, hey, I think both of those were, in fact, both of those were juniors. So uh, it was a good group of athletes because I think that's what it takes to be successful. And uh, you got to do it the right way. You got to coach it the right way. You got to build the discipline. You got to build the the camaraderie. You have to build the team. Uh, and certainly, uh, it, it was a it, it was the stable wasn't empty. In fact, it was. The stable was, you were loading that stable each year for bigger and better athletes during the 90s in Columbus. And, uh, you know, just like I said a while ago, just, and I don't mean this in a crazy way, but uh, don't, just keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be stupid. Don't try to do stupid stuff. Don't screw it up. And I, I know that sounds like that's a crazy thing, but, you know, you just want to work the kids and they understand that, what it takes to be successful. And, and Bob had that mentality with them anyway. So we were just adding on to that mentality. And uh, like I said, it, it was successful the next few years in Columbus during the 90s, certainly, with the load of athletes that we had coming through. 
I think John Wooden said something similar to, to what you just implied there with some of that, and that is be really, really good at those things that you do, you know, and, and not trying to do all that stuff that juicing it up and, and getting so sophisticated with, with kids and young kids and everything. I don't know how much you've read of uh, John Wooden or if he was ever an influence of yours, but... Uh, Certainly no truer words spoken. Mm -hmm. and, and at the same time, another John Wooden uh, saying, he, he talks about you always have your superstar athletes. You always have athletes at the lower tier that they work hard, but then you have your middle-of-the-road athletes. And, and the middle-of-the-road athletes are the ones that you have to bring up to that next level. And uh, I've always saw better athletes, Division One athletes, because we had a, a few Division One athletes during the 90s, they have a, a, a way to make people around them play better. And, and that's the mark, I think, uh, uh, of a great leader and a great football player is if I step on the field, are we a better team with everybody uh, when I'm on the field? And, and if we are, then you know, certainly there's something you're doing right. So, uh, you know, we had those athletes, but we also had great leadership from kids that weren't D1 athletes, but they were very good football players because they understood how to play the game and they were in our system and, and certainly grew up in our system and uh, they figured out how to play the game pretty fast. Nice. I'm going to take a quick step back and ask you a question. Did you run the Veer at all four stops? We ran the Veer. I believe <laughs> this is, now that you asked that, our first year at TLU. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a... Uh, professor it was a football class it was just an elective and I said hey this is a good class to take. <laughs> and I ended up taking it and uh, and uh, coach Wacker Jim Wacker was the teacher Jim Wacker if you don't read it he was the one that won three national champ championships at TLU we went to uh, University of North Dakota came back down to Texas State won a national championship at Texas State went to University of Minnesota and would have done there, but there was I would have done a lot better there, but there was some type of problem there with uh, recruiting stuff, uh, and uh, but Jeb Wacker uh, was running the beer at TLU, and, and he we had a booklet on the beer that he he gave us, and Mike Washington I remember Mike Washington was All American quarterback at TLU, and uh, he was in the class just as you know this guy was. If he was three national championships, he was quarterback. He was a stud athlete from Austin, uh, somewhere in Austin. And uh, he had every reason to be the biggest, baddest boy on campus. Mm. And he was as quiet and just unbelievable type of personality that uh, you probably don't see today as much from the superstar athletes. You see a little bit more of uh, a show. Swagger. Swagger, yeah, that name. was it. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Washington had swagger, but it was when he was on the field. Yeah. And he swagged it up a lot mm -hmm. during the national championship run. And uh, and then when I got to Yorktown, Coach Lawson, Joy, and him, we, they, he ran the beer. Hmm. So I had that experience from Coach Wacker, which, again, was the greatest experience in my life because, you know, he was a dude at that time. And uh, then it came to Yorktown, and, and Joy had been running the beer, and uh, – you know, we ran it all places. Some years we ran it more than others. It depends on the quarterback. It depends on, you know, uh, depends on different factors. 
you run it when Ryan was quarterback first year in Columbus. We ran it a lot. Why? Tremendous athlete. And even if he ran, and, and as we progressed in Columbus down the road, that you know, if, if Matt read it wrong, you still had to tackle him. Matt Chauvel was our quarterback back then in Columbus. He was 6'5", 235, and good luck. I mean, even if he read it wrong. Yeah. But that's what yeah. the beer's about. You're not going to read it right every time. Right. And it looks like it's, like I said, you, you read it wrong, you read it wrong, you go for 20 yards. And, and certainly the better athletes you have at running back and, uh, and quarterback uh, dictates if you're going to run it extensively that year or you're going to run it as an addition that year. Mm. So. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I just wondered, you know, I know uh, – I know uh, where we're going, and of course, where I saw you coach, there was a lot of success there, unprecedented success, I might add, you know, as, as far as uh, speaking historically and everything, and so I just wondered if that was something that you picked up along the way, or it was something you always did, oh, and, and where that came from. I think uh, others will find that interesting, too. So, um, in Columbus, uh, you guys get to, um, let's see here. We get to the semifinals in 1993 and the quarterfinals in 94, and then quarterfinals again in 97. Uh, what, um, anything memorable you'd like to share about any of those playoff runs or, or maybe well, a year that didn't even have a playoff run? The biggest thing there is, is uh, you know, we had, in, in 93, we ended up playing in, uh, in the semis we played, I mean, the quarters we played at A&M. And in the semis, we played at Texas, and we played Quirrell, and it was a great experience for our school. You know, not only our football team, our band, our drill team, and just the people in general. Mm -hmm. And uh, great experience. Uh, you know, we got thumped by Quirrell that year in the semis. And we just, we failed to score. We had to try to outscore them, and, and we didn't score, uh, you know, a couple opportunities in the first half, and they've got a little bit of a lead, and, and our passing game wasn't, that built around that type of, to, to come back and make that uh, run at them. And uh, Coral was a very, very good team. Mickey Finley was the coach there, and Mickey did a great job uh, of, of coaching at Quirrell. And uh, But we, again, as we progressed through the 90s, uh, you know, the Shovels, uh, Andrew Waddle was a player that, Andrew Waddle and uh, Aaron Shovel were our two defensive ends on uh, the defensive side of the ball and uh, one ended up going to TCU and playing nine years in the NFL. The other one ended up going to Oklahoma State and uh, Andrell started for two years, three years at Angelo State. So we had two D1s at our defensive ends and dared people to run outside on us. They were both sophomores. They started as sophomores, juniors and, and seniors certainly. And uh, the the only negative we had is we were in the middle of Sealy's run. We, mm -hmm. played, we played two years. We played Sealy twice. They were in our district. We'd play them in district and then play them in the quarterfinals because that's where you met back up. And, uh, you know, our closest game in the quarters, I think we lost 13-6 to six in a rainstorm in Katy, Texas uh, the, the one year. And, and it was just, like I said, it was unfortunate that, uh, like I said, we had some very good football teams that never made it to the state championship. But you ran across a team that was 63 and one during that time. They had played 64 games and they won four state championships in a row. And uh, I think Lagrange had beat them in the pre in the preseason. In the so I mean they didn't lose a district game. So 
But uh, LaGrange was coached by Tony Velastro back then. And in fact, Tony ended up coaching in Columbus a few years later. And uh, good, good football person. And uh, to beat Sealy, he had a dang good football person. And, uh, but uh, like I said, it was unfortunate that we ran across, you know, not only did, you know, a lot of people say, well, Sealy had y'all's number. Well, they had everybody's number. <laughs> yeah, they when had you're 63, 63 numbers. One, yeah, <laughs> when you're 63 and one, don't just say they had Columbus's number. You have to say that they beat a lot of, and and it was unfortunate because we had uh, some football teams who were definitely uh, capable of winning the state championship. Yeah. Uh, again, that kind of goes back to my, you know, the question I asked about Yorktown as you win and you have that success, and I mean, does it? Do you feel like uh, – I've heard some coaches say that some of the best years were the ones where we didn't win near as much because you don't have near as many people that are, you know, chipping in their ideas. Like one's like, well, Sealy's just got y'all's number. And that's really beneficial to the conversation when someone says something as, you know, helpful and upbeat, positive as, as that. I mean, even if – You know, I, I just think people, they, they, they want to they wanna win. Yeah, but but they were. I always thought it was a really really smart crowd in Columbus, and uh, they respected the fact that our program. You know, we had kids who competed real well against anybody we played, and uh, you know, and again, our staff and football team was as disappointed as anyone not being able to go to the state championship game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I said. You know, I mentioned uh, Aaron and um, Andrell. Well, Matt was Aaron's brother, and uh, he was quarterback for us. Like I said, he was a 6'5", 6'4", 6'5". Ended up playing the NFL at tight end. Uh, went to A&M his freshman year, transferred to TCU his sophomore year. Uh, played tight end, at, of course, at TCU, and ended up getting drafted by the, I don't want to say the Bengals, and then got traded to Philadelphia a little bit later in his career. And... Uh, you know, just not only, you know, with the showbulls, they say, oh, they were just great athletes. It, they're from a great family. The, 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 the mom and dad are super people. And, uh, and you, it, it, the acorn did fall far from the tree with the boys. Mm -hmm. They're very respectful. Uh, and uh, Bo was the same way. Bo was first cousin. Bo ended up going to the NFL, uh, played for Indianapolis Colts. Super Bowl ring, got a Super Bowl ring with Peyton Manning when Peyton won it in Indianapolis. And um, Andy and Bob, those are the two parents, of course, of the boys. And they're just, they're quality people. And Bo was a quality, also quality person, hard worker. But it just stemmed from the the parents. The parents were just great people. Like I, I always tell people, you, you sometimes with anybody that good, and, and those cats were pretty good, uh, that you know, you, you got a lot of, you know, you got a lot of dealing with parents and talking with parents and you know doing this and doing that and making sure my son gets to do this and gets to do that and how many touches are you going to try? You know, I had a lot of people over the years say, how many touches are you going to give my son? I have no idea. If it's working, we're going to give your ball his son a lot. If it's not working, then we'll go, we'll try yeah. something else. Well, and uh, it was never the the I, I never saw. Andy came there one time because of insurance purposes, I think. I want to say Matt or Aaron had gotten hurt, and and that's the only time he was in my office. And 
you know, that's the type of parent that even 20 years ago was, was a little bit, you know, that was different. Mm -hmm. And today it's a little bit different world, you know, as we live in, it's a different world. So you're in the grocery store and you're shopping, going through your list and everything, and you run into a parent that wants to know how many touches their kid's going to get this week. I mean, is that a question you want while you're shopping for groceries? <laughs> I'm just, in case there are any parents that end up listening to this, I just want to know kind of what's in the head football coaches, you know, upstairs. What's going on in your mind? You know, the thing you? about it is what you, what you, you know, you learned, and I would say I was head coach 30, 31 years. Mm -hmm. And when you're a head coach for 31 years, you come across a lot of interesting conversations in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. A lot of interesting conversations. But you keep it, you know, you, you keep it professional. And, and if they're serious about things in the grocery store, of course, that's not exactly the time I want to, I'm looking for cereal and I'm trying to ask answer your question on your plan time. Uh, I always welcome parents up. Come to the office. We can talk in the office. Because you want, the, you want the communication for parents. And it never bothered me. It never bothered me to meet with parents. Right, they, a, right some, after a game or is there a more uh, reasonable time to... They, I never had that a lot. Never had that? Over my career, you have it a couple times. Probably. I had it in Bernie one time. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, it goes with the game. You know, you, you get, my my goal was to, and I don't care where I'm at, I, I want to I wanna make sure I treat those kids with respect. I want to teach them discipline. And, you know, bottom line is, you know, it's not at the top of my, but I want to win. Mm -hmm. I want to win as much as the parents do or the kids do. And, you know, any pressure I ever felt on myself in 31 years of being a head coach was, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure we win and, and and I put a lot of that pressure of winning on the head coach mm -hmm. and you know a lot of people this was let me see if I can remember the saying because I thought it was a great saying it said coaches get way too much credit sometimes when they win football games okay but at the same time coaches get too much credit when they lose football games sometimes you get beat by 63 and one Sealy. You get beat by them. Why? I don't know. They're, they're a better team that night. That night. Yeah. And a lot of people, oh, they're not better than us. Well, that night, they were. Mm -hmm. And they were. And we didn't play the caliber of game maybe that we, that we had to play to be successful. So, uh, you know, you got to take some and give some. And, uh, you know, we took, we, we certainly won more games than we lost. And uh, we, we, we hopefully taught kids uh you know how to behave and, and character and, and and those things and and that was real important to us and it was important how they acted in school and they important to you know i told teachers anywhere i went the first day i was there and we had a meeting that i could talk to all teachers i said if you i'm gonna give you a list i'm gonna put a list in your mailbox if you have any problem now i didn't say football players i said athletes and i gave them a list of athletes in our program if you have any problems with any of don't call the principal. Don't call the principal. He's busy. He's doing things that, you know, to make our school better. You email me. You let me know. Tell me in the hall. Tell me, and we'll take care of it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about it. And that way you don't have to go through the paperwork. You don't have to go through all that stuff of writing this kid up. You give, give us the information, and we'll take care of it immediately. And teachers loved that. Loved it. Yeah. And it was, I always thought that was the best thing. You know, you could get on the, you know, communication side with teachers and, 
And I think that was unbelievably important to get and allow those teachers that opportunity to, to do that instead of having to go through the, all that paperwork to get it to the principals. I've always found that it's worked better you know, with anyone that I have in my class, as well as if it's one of my athletes and that teacher that they're having issues with, if you give the coach a chance to take care of it, they usually, uh, the student will come back in the room a little bit less resentful than if they went down to the office and got a few days after school, you know, suspension. If you want to see improvement in the student's behavior, give the coach a chance uh, to help you improve that behavior before you... Totally agree. That's, that's kind of And, and we did, you know, a lot of people say, uh, you know, well, you just ran them a little bit. We didn't just run them. If you're misbehaving like that, we ran for conditioning in football. Mm -hmm. We ran. I mean, that's what we did. Of course, you have to cross country. You know, you were involved in cross country. Well, yes, you have to. Now, if you're misbehaving, now you're going to do a different set. We call them a different set of exercises. Mm -hmm. You're not going to do the same thing as running. We'll go out there. We'll bear crawl. We'll roll. We'll do things that you'll remember probably a little bit more than running back and forth. Uh, eight or ten times and say it oh that's good don't get you know don't get in trouble in miss Johnson's room again they have a tendency to remember and I think a lot of them would have chose to take the two days after school instead of what we did with most of them to make right. sure they understood it's not a proper thing to yeah, I, I be stupid in class I refer to it as additional brain stimulation training <laughs> Because it's all positive. Watch how they act in class next time. It is all positive. That's exactly. You know. And I always told athletes first day, sit in front of class. Don't don't sit in back of class. Mm -hmm. I said the number one it'll scare the heck out of the teacher. That you you've got that mentality to do that. I mean, scare them in a good way, not a bad way. Get in front of the class. You don't you don't need to sit in the back of the room because you're going to trouble the back of the room. People who sit in the back of the room are trying to hide. You're not trying to hide in your classroom. You're sitting in the front. Mm -hmm. And not all of them did, but at the same time, some of them probably did because of it. So, yeah, absolutely. When you when you play some of these close games, like the one against Sealy, there, or, uh, you know, there are several more. Nineteen ninety six against Cameron, you know, that uh, maybe is an elimination game. Or you go as we go forward, you know, there are different ones throughout your career. Would you ever? Did you ever? After that game was over, kind of beat yourself up about this or that, or were you real good at letting it go? Yeah, you know, you know what you can do is when you lose those against Cameron, you, you mentioned that. That was the wettest, mm -hmm. soggiest, slipperiest field we've ever played on in our life. And it was very unfortunate we didn't get on turf. Back then it was much harder to get on turf because there wasn't enough turf around for those games to, to have those open stadiums. And uh, we had a very good football team that year, but it, it was a terrible night with the conditions on that football field. And again, there's nothing you can do. It's conditions are the conditions. Right. The difference is we depended on the cuts and running game. And, uh, you know, when Cameron was a very good football team and, and we didn't take advantage of opportunities and we didn't end up winning a football game we probably should have won. Um, you know, you, you just, you don't, you know, in the game of football, uh, like we said earlier, you try to let it go. I normally stayed up. I always watch film and stuff on Friday nights afterwards. I'd get to bed about, oh, 3 o'clock, 3.30 on Fridays. And then I'd get up about 6.30, 7 the next morning because I had normally radio interviews and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't bother you when you were a little bit younger. Uh, yeah. It didn't bother you as much. You're tired. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and that day, you know, that afternoon a lot, on Saturday afternoon, you do a lot of sleeping instead of working on that afternoon. But, you know, you work a lot on Sunday. But, you know, just like I said earlier, I, I think, uh, if anything, I, I would I pressure, I felt pressure to win. Not, not outside pressure. No, never within, I felt pressure to win. No, I didn't, it didn't concern me that, you know, Miss Johnson said we should be throwing the ball more. Or, it, it didn't, mm-hmm. that didn't bother me. I mean, right. we're going to do what we're going to do. you got a lot of coaches with a lot of experience that are making these game plans and, you know, and uh, trying to execute these game plans. And sometimes you execute them to perfection and sometimes you don't quite get it as to perfection. And it depends on where that game is. It could be that Cameron game where you lose. And, you know, I think that was Matt's, Matt and that group's last game. And it was a very, very difficult time to go out. Mm-hmm. With, with that crew because it was such a uh, good good athlete. But we came back the next year in 97 and went to the quarterfinals that year. So, Right, right. What kind of hours would you have, like, your staff work on a Saturday, Sunday? Did y'all do both days? No, we were, uh, back then, uh, number one, we didn't change things up a lot. Our offense was our offense. Mm-hmm. Now, there were more favorite plays that we were going to run against this defense that we were playing but we weren't the type of people that were going to go in there and go, okay, we were running the beer this week. Okay, we're going to run the wishbone this week. Okay, the next week we're going to run the spread. And the next – no, 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 no. You can't be consistent. You can't be consistent to the kids. The kids have to understand the offense. We run – our seventh-grade offense is about 20% of our varsity. It's the same offense. Right. So when those kids are learning 13 beer on the seventh-grade team, we're running the same play on the on the varsity football team. And – uh you know, it uh, has a tendency to, if you keep it uh, consistent, uh, I always thought you you had a better chance. Keeping it simple. Mm-hmm. Keeping it more simple. And you had to do, don't get me wrong, you had to do things that that uh, that, that could help you win football games. But, uh, you know, we worked probably till uh, 1 o'clock maybe on Saturdays. I would work a lot on Saturday. Well, not, not Saturday. I, I'd normally rest on Saturdays. I'd work a lot on Sundays. Coordinator would work a lot on Sundays. We didn't work on Sunday at all with our staff in Columbus. We might have got, when we got to the playoffs, and we couldn't, well, back then now, we weren't trading over the Internet for films. Mm-hmm. So we had to go trade films. So you got the films late in the in the uh, playoffs because you didn't know who you were going to play sometimes until Saturday afternoon if this team beat this team or whatever. And uh, we'd have to work on Sundays there because we wouldn't have film on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, anytime, you know, you don't like to work on Sundays a lot. I never did like to work on Sundays a lot. Uh, but when you're in the playoffs, it, it, it makes it a little bit better. Right. The excitement level. The excitement level. level. Yeah. And being there. I mean, you know, you're fortunate. You're always fortunate to be there. And uh, But the staff, uh, they never, it wasn't a problem. And I, I Told the story, Coach Z, Coach Zimmerhansel was a good friend of mine. He was doing my DC in Columbus, and he uh, was a guide for duck hunts and uh, geese. And uh, many a times, Z would come uh, from football games. We'd get home at two o'clock from wherever, and uh, Z would say at you know three thirty, he's got a party, he's got a meet in Altair, and he would take off and go and. And he would go do that, and then he'd come back. He'd be back at 9 or 10 on Saturday morning, and we would 
watch his film. I didn't care. I, I, a lot of people say, oh, how can you let your DC go? Uh, what the heck? I, when you get it done, if you get it done at 10 o'clock or if you get it done at 7.30, I, it don't bother me. Normally, again, you didn't have films back then because you had to go trade even there. Mm -hmm. But you could get your films on Saturday. But a lot of times you didn't have them early Saturday. Uh, and uh, it didn't bother me in the least bit that Z liked that. And uh, shoot, it never bothered us. We, we won pretty good, pretty consistently, and he was doing it. Our defense played spectacular with him at defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, and it was simple. Our game plan wasn't, you know, we didn't want to complicate our defense. The more you complicate it, the more mistakes you can make. And uh, we, we, we built our defense a lot around Katie's defense. We, I, I would go to the spring and watch Katie's defense a lot, and it was a 50 defense. and. You go, oh, well, they have so many kids. Well, they still can't have 11 on the field. So, you know, it, it yeah. helped us. It helped us to watch it. And, and well, they would run this, and, and it would be pretty simplistic. And you would go, Coach, that's, you know, secondary-wise, that's not very complicated. I don't want it complicated. I don't want it comp, you know. And that was Mike Johnston that was there. He said, I don't, I don't want it complicated. What do I want it complicated for? I got athletes that can take care of business. And they, they had those. And learned a lot of things from from people like that. You learn, I learned more from people like that than I did at clinics a lot of times. Because, you know, the NFL coach telling me that their safety runs a 4-2-2-40, well, that's darn good. Yeah. But our safety don't run. He runs a 5-1. So, <laughs> you know, he may not could make this play. Right. And, and you'd learn a lot more. I would learn a lot more. We went up to Baylor and, and looked at Baylor's offense. And, uh, you know, it, it. we just, as a staff, we would do, we went to San Angelo a lot as a, as a, as a staff, mm -hmm. and uh, we used to have a lot of fun with the coaches. When I say fun, we used to, you know, we'd go to the clinics and, and then coaches played poker a lot, and they would just camaraderie together. Because right. you were fixing to be in for a long, this was in June, so in a couple months or a month, you were fixing to be in on about 70-hour weeks. And uh, you, you, number one, you had to be able to put up with each other. It helps a lot if you like each other, doesn't You're going it? right <laughs> with us. And, and, and that was a good time to do that. And, and we got some good football knowledge. And, and we got, you know, we'd have bowling competition between the staff. We'd have golf competition between the staff. And it was a fun time. But, but you wanted that. I wanted that. Mm -hmm. I wanted some football involved with it, too. You know, I wanted that. But at the same time, uh, it, it was just as important to, to get the togetherness. To, right. Because it was fixing to be a long year. And you wanted it to be a long year. Yeah. You wanted to play past Thanksgiving. You wanted to play into December. But that made it, you know, for 20 weeks, 20-something weeks, you're working a lot of hours. and uh, But it was well worth it. You know, you wouldn't trade that for anything. Right. Oh, gosh, I don't want to be here in December. Yes, I do. I sure yeah. do. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, you know... Uh, uh, a friend of mine asked me if I was going to be upset if we didn't make it to state uh, in, in cross country. And I said, well, I mean, I get paid the same, but I guess I've never gone to work for the pay here. So, yeah, I'm going to be real upset if we don't get there. I know I got to work an extra couple of weeks, you know, or whatever, or 12 days, whatever it amounts to. But absolutely, there's nobody that's coaching that doesn't want to be advancing and advancing and going on. So, totally agree. Yeah. 100%. If you're going to a football game on a Friday night, where do you want to go eat in Columbus, Texas? Well, the obvious, and like I said, it, it, it's always been the obvious to me, and a lot of people have eaten there, but Shovel's Restaurant on, on Interstate there is, 
is to me, bar none, the number one place you're going to stop. Uh, buffet is unbelievable. And I'm not saying a lot of people, well, you say that because you coach their no, 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 no. I, I would have been fat eating at that restaurant before their sons, and I was probably fat at that restaurant after their sons. So it, Bob and Andy did do a tremendous job, or did a tremendous job. In fact, today, I think Ryan, the oldest son, bought that out. So I think Ryan is running that now. I, I know I've seen Andy and Bob in there, so they may help when, when Ryan needs help with it. I'm, I'm speculating that. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm thinking that. And uh, it, it hadn't changed a lot. It hadn't changed a lot in the 20 years. And, and um, I, know, again, if you're going that direction, hmm. uh, go ahead and stop there. You, you won't be disappointed there. Absolutely. Uh, I've moved to Bernie about five years ahead of you. And so I lived in Bay City until 1996, and we would take trips there. I mean, we'd either go to the Lake Jackson Mall on a Saturday with my grandpa or to the Victoria Mall, or we would go to Shobles there in Columbus. I stopped there on the way to the airport last year before doing a big road trip with my brother. And I mean, it's no different. It's you can't, it's, you won't make a mistake by choosing that place to eat. So no doubt. So what brings about the change to uh, move from Columbus to Bernie? Well, this was probably the, the oddest one because I wasn't, you know, when I was in York County, I applied for the Columbus job. I said, you know, this would be a I like this job. It's always been a you know a, a good job, and I like this, so I'm going to apply for this. And and uh, you know I got a call uh, one spring day, and, and Coach Leach, Stan Leach, I knew Stan from Yorktown days, way back. I hired Stan as a basketball coach from Yorktown. Stan went to Bernie, so he was in Yorktown for a few years or a couple years, and then got the head basketball job in Bernie, Texas, and of course that's everything else there but uh, Stan called me and said I, I want you to come up we've got an opening I want you to come up and visit I said I'm you know I'm not really uh, looking for a job right now and I wasn't looking for a job right now and Columbus was a great place and uh, he said no, I don't I just want you to come up we got an opening and he knew it he, he knew it if he got you up there it's it's beautiful beautiful country beautiful time and and I got up there, and I bought. We walked around, looked at facilities and stuff. He said, "I want you to meet Sam Champion." Which, again, if anybody knows anything about Bernie, you know Sam Champion, and best principal that I certainly would had ever come across. Because Sam was just talk about just quality individual. He said, "Well, we need to go meet Sam," and he knew what he was doing there because you know Sam could sell uh, Bernie uh, like in a hurry, and uh, and I talked to him and and. You know, we took an hour, hour and a half. We came back to the office. I sat down in the office, and he said, all right. He said, I just want to tell you. He said, you know, job's yours if you want the opportunity for it. And I went, I didn't, I didn't even think this was an interview. He goes, what did you think it was? I went, that's a good question. Yeah. So I ended up, uh, you know, we went home, and then Sarah went home and ended up deciding to go to Bernie, Texas, and uh, and. Never regretted it a bit. If anything, like I said, at times I regret the fact that we left Bernie. Just the fact that it was the uh, most beautiful, in my opinion, most beautiful part of Texas in living. And, uh, you know, and, and we had some really, really good times in Schulenburg after we left. But at the same time, uh, Bernie offered uh, academically and athletically uh, bigger school, better opportunities, bigger opportunities. And uh, a quality school system, 
quality school system uh, at the same time. So, Yeah, I think uh, not wanting to leave Columbus, you were fighting a losing battle going up to one of the most beautiful places there is and, and running into, you know, those two uh, individuals, probably two of the most charismatic and right. Wow, they just you know bled the purple and white. No, um, nobody was more excited to be a greyhound, and you, as a coach, you get around people that are that excited to be where they are, and you look around and it's that pretty. Uh, and you know, coming in, they haven't won a playoff game in forty years. The expectations are low. It's right. not much of a roll of the dice, right? Exactly right. And, and, and you see things like that, and and <coughs> you talk to Coach Leach, and Coach Leach said, "Tom, there's." There's athletes here we can win with. I can guarantee you. And I trusted Stan, and, mm -hmm. and certainly he didn't tell me anything that once I got there I didn't know. Uh, and uh, it, it took, if anything, it was not a physical thing again. It was a mental capacity to, to understand that you can beat the Alamo Heights and the Kerrvilles of the world, and uh, which we hadn't had a lot of success again uh, against uh, earlier. And, uh, you know, but, but you understood that um, you know, with those type kids that you had, uh, that you could certainly compete. Like I said, and 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 certainly we did. And uh, like I said, it was it was a great decision that Sarah and I made. The kids were they were younger, mm -hmm. really didn't figure in a lot. Kyle was seven, eight, something like that, a little, but it didn't figure in with the kids a lot. It, that'll figure in a little bit later in my career. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it didn't figure there, and 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 they. Like I said, they, they enjoyed the heck out of it. Certainly enjoyed the heck out of it when we were in Bernie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 2000 and, uh, 2001 to 2007, correct? Or 2006 is the last football season that you're there. Right. So, 02, um, you know, again, haven't won a playoff game since 1963. And... Uh, go up against San Antonio Jefferson and, and like a team that's just hungry to do it, you know, uh, make some history there and, and end up playing New Braunfels in that next round and uh, lose a close one. You've got a lot of good kids on that team. Kevin Galbraith, Brian Hepler, Lynn Hicks, you know, uh, Peter Surley, Zach Giese, a lot, a lot of real quality guys across the board, you know, and, and, and young ones too. Uh, that are coming up looks like more success is on the way and it is I, I'll let you elaborate on any of those players that you want to well certainly like I said it, it, at that juncture um, it was we were full of athletes but but again it, it took a little bit uh, of the you know mentality uh, to, to work at it and everyone that you mentioned there were tremendous kids for us and right. and was an integral part of our winning football games in Bernie and uh, but but it was the mental thing that was holding us back and not the physical the Jefferson uh, you know it, it was you know a, a huge win we played in Alamo Dome uh, I remember Hunter had his first field goal he was a freshman mm -hmm. Hunter Lawrence ended up going to UT kicking for UT uh, and uh Coach Padilla, I told Coach Padilla at halftime it was thirty to nothing, and I said, "We, you know, if the game ended right now, we'd go home because I don't want anybody hurt. I don't want to do any, you know, for the next round of the right. playoffs." And and uh, you know, we got down there in field goal territory, and uh, and we rushed Hunter on the field because we didn't want him to be nervous. And I told Coach Padilla, "Get him out there and let's let him try to kick one." In fact, he was kicking for our freshman team and. He was the best freshman kicker in the state, I can tell you that. Mm. Uh, 
And uh, he out, went out and kicked a 30-something yard field goal for his first. And, and you knew you know, he was going to be a, a, a pretty good weapon for us. And certainly in the next three years, he was a pretty good weapon for us after that. So. Yeah, absolutely. And and a lot of our listeners won't know if I don't say this, but I know more of these guys, and they're not any caliber like the the Shobles or, or the young man you mentioned from uh, Yorktown because I graduated from Bernie in 2004. So I know just a little bit more about, you know, Bernie right. than have, having lived there and everything. But um, I, I can definitely say that, you know, what you said about coming in and changing the mentality is very true. Uh, Friday nights, it always felt like, it was a lot more about the social aspect of going to the football games prior to you getting there than it was about can't wait to watch this game. You know, it, it, the mentality even changed in the stands, you know, which right. was very – made it a lot better, you know, because a lot of social events in that town. You don't need to go to a football game to go to a social <laughs> event, right? I just remember we, we used to have a lot of people fill the stands at, at, at our games at home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it was always very exciting – uh, uh, to play, and uh, you know, it was a great time uh, to be a part of Greyhound football. As Mr. Champion just said, we played uh, Kerrville in a game. It was the game of the week uh, in the uh, on Sports Fox Southwest game of the week, and and it was an exciting game in the you know and uh, back and forth, and we ended up getting a lead in the last part of the game, and then we had to stop them, and you know and and, uh, but that was always, that was just made it even bigger. I mean, it was just a packed crowd. Anytime you played the Alamo Heights and the Kerrville, it, it packed the stands. Whether you were in Alamo Heights or in Bernie, uh, it was an electric crowd on both sides, not, not just the Bernie side. And uh, I say rivalry. I don't know who the better rivalry was. Was it Alamo Heights? Was it Kerrville? I would think if you ask Sam, Sam Champion, uh, Sammy's going to say uh, it was Alamo Heights. Mm-hmm. But let's don't. You know, and, and, you know, like I said, we beat some good Alamo Heights teams over the years, and, and certainly uh, Coach Bird had uh, some good wins against, big wins against us also. Uh, but but Kerrville was a, probably, to me, uh, coming into Bernie, was probably as big or a bigger rivalry than Alamo Heights was. Yeah, I think the football field was a much better place to play both of those than than a gym because <laughs> it got downright obnoxious on both sides in in basketball. You know, especially with the Alamo Heights boys and ours, and the Kerrville boys and uh, ours, and the Kerrville girls and ours. The Alamo Heights girls they weren't as competitive, uh, but when we played Kerrville in back to back games, that could be brutal being that close to each other and just the. The back and forth between people. I mean, I do remember. I went to, of course, <laughs> went to the basketball games, and it was like unbelievable yeah. intensity. But basketball is that type of sport. Football, you you're placed so far away from the crowd that it really doesn't. It, basketball, you talk that crowd is right on top of you. Mm-hmm. You know, I never thought baseball was as hard. I've always thought basketball was the hardest play, especially on the road. Because again, you're you're right on top of people are right on top of you, and uh, makes it uh, even harder to focus and concentrate in, in in that situation. So yeah, absolutely, they give you that nice barrier, you know, there for for football. Oh yeah, and football on the road. You know, I would rather play at home. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I'll play at home anytime in football. But at the same time, uh, 
it wasn't like you said it's crazy uh, on the road and even though when we used to play this taking it back to Columbus a little bit we would we didn't have many stands on our visitor side back in the days in Columbus and at six o'clock when we came out at our at our home those stands were totally filled by the Sealy people at six o'clock I mean hacked and that that was always funny because they would all we would always come out there and always boo us and stuff like that. You know, you're at home and you think, oh, well, yeah. you're not gonna have this happen, but yeah. it was packed. And they, they knew it. They knew they wouldn't get a seat, and it wasn't a lot of seating. And yeah. nowadays, gosh, that stadium over there is second to none. It's got turf and it's got, you know, it, it's a nice facility in Columbus right now. But that was always funny. You know, yeah. we were talking about the home team and the advantage of the home team, and I and I'd much rather play you at home, but at the same time, I understand uh, going on the road is it, it, not near as tough as basketball is. Right, yeah, and it just, even even from the, the fan standpoint, just there just needed sometimes to be more separation, and that's the width of the football field, <laughs> and then the track around it, and that's you right. know, uh, you've got a lot of the handicaps sitting up there in the front, so there's a lot of good barriers in between the, the fans, you right. know, in, in football. But uh, it never stopped, you know, the games from being just as competitive. They were always so fun to, to watch. I mean, um, is are any moments from the early few years there? Or well, the one well, the I think one we talked about is we, we'd beaten Alamo Heights in Alamo Heights, and I think Albert had run for a couple touchdowns, and he was an inside slot receiver. We used him as, a, as you know, running the reverses and stuff for us. And uh, Joe Galloway was our running back. We were – banged up at the running back and Joe stepped in and did a tremendous job and uh, I, I, it, it was just it, we didn't have the better football team that night because of our injuries especially we had a lot of key players out mm -hmm. and uh, you know Galbraith really stepped up with his game and and, and like I said Galloway and, and Joe at the running back and we ended up beating that Alamo Heights team that night and, and I thought that was uh, a, a huge win in a, in a very difficult situation. And, and another one with Alamo Heights, it was in Alamo Heights also. And uh, we were behind 10 to, gosh, 10 to seven. And uh, they helped us, Russell punted the ball. And Russell Moldenhauer was our punter, kicker, and receiver, and everything else we could get him to play. <laughs> and uh, had like a 60 something yard punt. And we pinned, uh, and Alamo Heights back at the, about the seven-yard line. It was about two minutes to go. They ran a quarterback sneak and fumbled the quarterback sneak. So we ended up recovering the ball mm -hmm. right there. We knew we were going to get the tie out of it. it. You know, we didn't want the tie, of course, but, you know, we had Hunter kicking. So that probably would have uh, helped us there. Uh, but uh, we ended up scoring. In fact, uh, Ryan Christensen, I remember, kept the ball. And uh, true story. He was running around the right side and basically got hit at the line of scrimmage. The ball pops out and Ben Davis catches the ball. Our offensive tackle, yeah. uh, six seven three hundred, yeah. and he catches the ball and gets the ball to the one yard line. Mm -hmm. And then we go in with Mason Finley or somebody and go score the go ahead touchdown. So, uh, you know, sometimes you you get the breaks. And, yeah. and football is a game of of breaks. Do you get them? Some games you don't. Some games you, you don't recover the quarterback fumble so you don't even have the opportunity to do that some games you get the opportunity and then that ball doesn't bounce in Ben Davis's arms it bounces mm -hmm. on the ground and they get so it's it's part of it and, and, and they even out 
you go, oh, that's we're we're, we're the most lucky team. Yeah, be careful, because you yeah. <laughs> there's a tendency sometimes that you may be unlucky when the ball bounces the opposite way. So, but but that night it, it was it was very sweet. Anytime it was you know to get that big win and like I said and, and see Mr. Champion smile from ear to ear that was always yeah. real good after the games. Funny after the games to watch him and talk to him after the game. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so 2004, um, you take it to that next level. You go from just winning a, uh, winning a playoff game there in 2002 to you see that build coming there, and you're going to win. You're going to go all the way to the semifinals. Did y'all play in any neat stadiums in that run or anything new? Uh, I know in the semifinals we played in that new Waco Stadium, mm -hmm. and that was just a – Oh, unbelievably nice stadium. Just built for high school football. I mean, just, you know, I, I really felt like it, it was, you know, it's not the 30, 40, 50,000 seat stadium. Right. But it's exactly, it's, it's enough for high school football. And, uh, you know, it was, and we played in, uh, gosh, let me think. Uh, Probably the Austin area we played. Just depends on who you're playing. Uh, a lot, a lot of times, it's just a matchup on who you're playing. I know we played Santa uh, Harlandale in the third round, and we ended up playing that in Alamo Dome. Of course, both mm -hmm. of us around that area would love to play in the Alamo Dome. And actually, that was in the quarterfinals. That was in the fourth round, and beat it, beat Harlandale. Harlandale had upset uh, Flower Bluff, and we were scouting. Uh, we we had beaten. Austin, an Austin team in Lanier. the third round, Lanier, mm -hmm. and uh, we went to Alamo Dome the next day, and uh, truly intended more than likely to play Flower Bluff. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I personally thought they probably had the the better athletes. I thought Harlandale played with a lot of heart, and uh, ended up, like I said, beating uh, Flower Bluff and. Ended up playing Harlandale, and, and that was a very physical, tough game in the, in the Alamo Dome, and we ended up winning that one and then going to play uh, Marshall, Marshall being around Dallas area on Highway mm -hmm. uh, Interstate 20 up there, and uh, we played well. I know I know we lose 20-3 to three or 21-3, I think, or something like that, and, and uh, it doesn't look as close as it is, but... You know, basically, uh, Coach Threadgill, who Danny was a defensive coordinator, and I think we allowed uh, one touchdown drive, and then they had an interception return for a touchdown, and they had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. So, you know, our defense played well. Uh, offensively, uh, we did play as well. We just didn't uh, – in the game of football is like this, too. You have opportunities to go score, and if you don't take advantage of those opportunities uh, against the more – uh, competitive football teams that'll end up biting you, mm -hmm. and it ended up biting us. Uh, and we didn't uh, score when we needed to score, and 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 that's the, you know, just like we talked about a while ago. There's breaks that happen. There's breaks that you make happen. And you know, when you're on the twenty yard line inside the red zone and you don't go score, then your chances of winning that football game probably just went down just a little bit. Not that you can't win, but the the opportunity. Uh, to score, you got to take advantage of, especially against uh, better football teams, and and we probably failed to do that against 
a very good football team in Marshall, and like I said, it ended up costing us at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of guys, a uh, lot, of, lot of really solid seniors on that team. You know, we were having a baseball discussion earlier, and we were kind of talking about all the contributions of kind of some of your, your key role players. You've got a lot of young uh, position-type players that are on that team, but you've got some real key guys, too, that are in that senior class that year that make uh, big contributions and stuff. And so the next year, uh, you know, as, as you go uh, into 2005, you guys uh, – are able to win by district pretty easy over New Braunfels, and then y'all run into Pflugerville Connolly, and and uh, I know you know I'm I'm I go to a horseshoe tournament uh, Labor Day weekend a lot of the time with the Wellses, you know, uh, right. and and uh, Hunter Barons and William Wells are two of my big rivals out there. I'm actually terrible at horseshoes, but you know everybody else is really good, and so it's always exciting to watch, you know, right. and so. We, you know, every once in a while, you know, the, the, the good old days will come up, and those guys are just hilarious, you know. I mean, they, they're fun fun to be around and everything. And um, Well, I just remember against Conley. Conley was a team that had a lot of speed, yeah. and I thought we played great defense, especially the first half. We played a great first half against them, mm-hmm. uh, but it, they kept putting pressure on you from not at one angle, but they had two or three angles that they could put pressure on you. And... Uh, like I said, we, we were up at halftime and, and ended up losing probably by a couple, three touchdowns. And uh, I, thought, I thought Danny had a great plan on the defensive side. And like I said, it just, uh, over a period of time, uh, you know, we, we had some opportunities that, like I said, we had to score just like we talked about earlier. And, uh, you know, what you have is you have uh, a very good football team that if you don't fundamentally make tackles, sometimes they can go the distance. Mm. They ended up with their speed doing that to us a couple times, and uh, and uh, we ended up losing that game, which was very difficult because we had a lot of good kids. And like I said, each year in Bernie, though, yeah, I mean you have you know the the two thousand the semifinal year, what a great group of athletes. Mm-hmm. But you know it, it, it's a process that we were in our program that you know we had some good athletes coming to. It, yeah. it wasn't you know the covering didn't go dry at Bernie a lot. Even if you right. didn't have, oh, you don't have nine starters coming back. No, but you have a lot of good kids that you can plug in. But that's at the 5A level. I mm-hmm. mean, we had 75 kids on our roster. You know, you can find 11 to go play football each year. Yeah, or, or some athlete. Yeah, I mean, you, you get, I, I thought the 2005 year was probably, or 2004, the semifinal. I mean, the yeah, the semifinal year. It was... It was loaded with athletes. Mm-hmm. Danny and I were talking about that the other day. I deer hunting with Danny down there in, in, in around the Yorktown area, and we were talking about that team the other day and how good that team was, and we had uh, as much speed as we ever had. You can teach a lot of things in football. You can't teach speed. Mm. And we had a little bit of speed, and, and, and uh, it, it was just – the mark of a very good football team, and uh, it was very enjoyable to be around those kids. Uh, they worked their tails off at getting where they were, and uh, it was, you know, we had good kids. You know, I think I mentioned the last time the Russell Moldenhowers and the Bradley Suttles of the world. Bradley didn't play football. I think I know Bradley had diabetes, and mm-hmm. that was, I say, one of the reasons. I think he was a stud baseball player that didn't want to play football, and I respected that. 
but but the mentality of working is the same. I think I mentioned during spring break, we didn't live, live very far from the field in Bernie, and I'd go by there during spring break, and everybody else was at the beach and high-fiving, and uh, I saw Bradley out there working and hitting the baseball with his dad out there throwing him the ball, and... Uh, you know, you know, that was a lesson that I would tell Call and, and Ross back then. That's mm-hmm. how you get good. Yeah. This is not, you, you just, you're not good. You're just not, oh, he's such a talented player. He he just gets all of his, no. Right. You have some talent. Don't get me wrong. Right. But at the same time, if you want to go with his, I mean, he got drafted by the Yankees, played in the minor leagues. I think his tour is tour labor that eventually took him out. But Bradley was a great person, a great kid who understood that, to get better, you have to work at it. And mm-hmm. I think Russell was the same way. And I mentioned Russell because he was a D1 athlete at the University of Texas. He was drafted by the uh, California Angels in the fourth or fifth round his senior year out of high school. And um, ended up getting drafted, I think, in the 20th round when he when he left UT. But uh, I don't think Russell would have changed a lot of that. I, I think the experience at UT uh, was, was unbelievable. I know they were in Omaha because I, I know Russell hit – three or four home runs in Omaha yeah. when they got there. In fact, he had the record. Well, he was tied for the record, the most home runs in the series. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it was it was that same football athlete. And Coach Foster was our baseball coach, and Chuck knew this better than anybody. You know, he, he said it was unbelievable how that helped his baseball players, the ones that played football, because they had it was more competitive. The Russell Mollenhauers had a more competitive are just as as much competitive or more competitive edge because they were involved with something mm-hmm. for you know an extended period, 20 weeks, 15, right. 18, 20 weeks of the fall. And, and Chuck said you could always tell the difference, just the mental toughness. Right. And, and that was, you know, we were state champions in baseball that year too. So, uh, you know, same yeah, I'm still incredibly bitter that they put the baseball team in the Hall of Honor over there before our cross-country team. Yeah, I mean, I thought we won that fall, and then they won that spring. So, <laughs> Coach Leach, if you're listening, I'm still, even though we're both in there now, I am just really burned about that. No, just kidding. Yeah, that was so much fun. I, there were a lot more people at the baseball game than there were the cross-country meet. No I, doubt about it. I will say this at the baseball. <laughs> it was just a, it was, you talking about electrifying, and you talking about pitching on our side. Yeah. My God, you come mm. with Bradley Suttle in game one and you come with Russell Mollenhauer in game two. And then you still, you know, we, we had yeah. some, we had some, I thought, like you had said earlier, it, you know, don't get me wrong. We had the two stud baseball players and they were two stud baseball players. But we had some other people that could slap the ball around and feel the ball. And Absolutely. Coach Foster did a tremendous job with, with playing defense and pitching and, and you go, oh, you had those athletes. No, there's not like you said earlier. There are nine positions, and and you you got to have some people that can play the game at each position. Right. And, uh, you know, you beat good Cal Allen teams, and and then at state, and uh, you know, certainly take my hat off to Coach Foster and Coach Eckert, the job they did with baseball. I'll say that mm-hmm. uh, I've always kind of enjoyed baseball, and Colin Ross ended up. Uh, going to school, UHV, and playing baseball. So uh, I've got a special place in my heart, especially for baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, other day when we didn't record anything, we also talked at quite a length about Hunter Lawrence and what just what a great 
so humble and always up there working. People may, you know, I I don't know what they think when they see someone that's a kicker, uh, you know, that makes it to the level that he did and, you know, kicking a game-winning field goal in the Big 12 championships and and getting drafted, you know, to uh, to the NFL and stuff. But the guy was always working, much like Brad and and uh, and Russell. And for a lot of people, that's something that I can't stress enough, at least the ones that I saw during my time. You know, uh, were you there still when Blake Smith was playing soccer in Bernie as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might have come like the year that you had right, left. left. And he got drafted, I believe, to the MLS, you know, and stuff. And right. Again, I mean – that's another guy that was up there all the time working on stuff and giving up, you know, during the Thanksgiving holidays. And I was too, but then I didn't have a whole lot of ability, you know, and you know, what's running after high school. Don't get me started on that. But, uh, you know, as far as, uh, those guys were up there when I was up there. So they were probably up there a lot of times when I was not up there too. Cause I always saw Hunter kicking the And so, right. such well, I just, so one thing I remember about Hunter kicking, and, and I think I mentioned this last time, I remember his mom being out there yeah. and fetching the balls and bringing them back. And I'm going, Oh my God. I mean, you just don't see that a lot. Yeah. And, and Hunter would always, or his dad would always come to me and go, what football are we using next year? We're using the Wilson. Okay, well, then we're going to buy some Wilson balls because I don't want to kick with other balls that we're yeah. using. So he bought eight or ten Wilson balls, and they were kicking those out there. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what, uh, again, I think I mentioned last time that Kyle and Ross used to always go to the field during practice. They'd, they'd come to football practice after school, and they would go to the field with Hunter. And Hunter would kick, and they would fetch the ball, and, and that was a highlight for Ross and Kyle back at that time. And uh, But that's what Hunter was that type of kid. I mean, it, Hunter would make Ross and Kyle feel like they were the most important thing in Bernie, Texas. Mm-hmm. Just because he was such a good person. Uh, yeah. Never heard it. Just a crazy, but never heard him. I, I never saw him mad. I mean, no. I don't, you know. And I just remember that uh, he always wanted to run receiver in practice. Oh, I can run against scout team. Oh, I can mm-hmm. run scout team receiver for you. And he was a good little athlete. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Uh, until he had heard that the kicker for USC, who came from a college in California, tours ACL running routes. Mm. And so Hunter stopped running routes for us. Hunter yeah. chose. And, and Coach Padilla never wanted to. He'd always sneak in. Yeah, he was a sneaky person when it came to that. He he never would, you know. Coach Padilla would never go. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Get out there and run. Uh, and he would sneak in. Coach Padilla would rush him out of there, get him out of there. But when when that kid we found out that kid from USC had done that, uh, it didn't take much coaxing to keep him out of it. Because <laughs> that ACL injury is just such a crazy injury. You don't. It's not a contact injury 90% of the time. It's mm-hmm. a plant turn and twist, and a lot of ter- times it pleats catch and it doesn't twist or it twists, uh, and, and it's easy to easy to do sometimes. And you know, But Hunter ended up, like you said, uh, kicking at Texas, and Mac Brown came down. And, and That's what I was going to ask. Did you ever get to meet Mac. anybody? Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. That, uh, like I said, you, you understood why kids went to Texas during that time. Because mm. Mac and them were, of course, that was Vince Young era, and that, they were pretty good with Vince. And, uh, and uh, but that was the first kicker he had recruited. He had never recruited a kicker. Mac Brown had always had walk ups. Mm. And you had enough good kickers. Uh, but in the couple years before Hunter, 
they just they didn't have the quality kicking game, especially mm -hmm. kicking off. And uh, you know when they took Hunter and I, I think like you said he kicked that field goal in the Big Twelve game against Nebraska and and I, I think uh, like I said Matt got what he wanted out of Hunter and Hunter like I said went and you know kicked for a couple teams in the NFL and you know did he didn't make it I'm not exactly sure what they look for I know they probably look for height and you know it, hang time uh, you know there's hang time on kickoffs too in the NFL that they measure and. You know, but I know he was by far uh, certainly the best kicker I'd been around. Certainly, I, 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 if I remember correctly, he set a, a record for points by a kicker or something at one point. I don't know if he still has it or not. Number of field goals in a season. Number of field goals. Now, I think somebody had passed him, but I think he had like mm -hmm. twenty something field goals, and that was when we went to the semifinals. And uh, I think he broke the record. I, I want to say he broke it. In the quarterfinals, but he might have broke it in the semifinal game. That he had like twenty something field goals in a year, and uh, then he was up in the top ten certainly as career field goals. But he didn't kick as many. Well, he kicked the one his freshman year. He probably kicked four or five when he was a sophomore. We didn't mm -hmm. utilize him as much junior and senior year. Uh, it was his junior year where he had the twenty something field goals, and then he had I don't know fifteen or so when he was a senior. But uh, it was a weapon, certainly one of the better weapons to have. Because when you got inside, it was like NFL mentality. Yeah. We're going to get three points out of it. Right. And, uh, and a lot of times, most of the time, we got three points out of it. Yeah. And uh, it, it was very important to, to uh, us at Bernie High School to have a quality individual like Hunter. Mm-hmm. So uh, 2006 comes along. I, I ran for my second time there on the school board, lost in 05, but ran again in 06. And no thanks to Chuck Foster, who really tried to help me by voting against me. Just kidding. But I did hear that. Anyways, uh, you know, I end up on the, on the school board in my first meeting or my second meeting. They come in and they tell us that, uh, that you're going to be heading out. And it was, it was like, Again, because being there in that, that five-year period before you got there and, and then being there during that five-year period, it was such a difference, you know, uh, that it, it was kind of a shock, you know, as early as that was on my time on the board. And uh, then they told us, you know, that they were going to put, you know, Danny Threadgill in, and it was like, wow. I mean, if you, if you got to replace Coach Bluta, that's about the best guy on the planet to do it with. And coincidentally, you guys are both the only two to ever win 12 games in a season there at Bernie. So yeah, what... Danny, I'd known for gosh, ages. We were in Yorktown and I'll, I'll never forget. He came down to interview at Yorktown. It was a funny story. Superintendent and I, Dale Pitts was the superintendent then. And Dale's a really good friend of mine. Even today, we were painting the weight room. And we had more paint on dust than we had in the weight room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, we'd come in the office and goes, oh, I think this uh, this guy's going to be here about 10 o'clock. Let's go in the office here. We can get get our paint off our face and stuff. And we're sitting there and got paint, you know, over each other. And, you know, because you're going to do that. Yeah. We come in there and Danny's got a suit on. And, and, and it just looks a thousand percent out of place. He's sitting with a suit on. We're sitting with shorts on with paint all over our face interviewing him. And it took about, oh, uh, 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, and you knew, you could tell pretty quick what kind of person he was. And, and that's the type of person you're looking for. I, I want a football person, but I don't want a football person at the expense of being an idiot. 
Mm-hmm. And, and and Danny was such a quality individual, and you could you could kind of see that early. You know, first impressions pretty easy with him, and uh, and that you know, like I said, you, quality individual, and, and and Bernie couldn't have made a better choice when when I left because right. he's that type of person, and he cares about the kids, and he's going to keep the instill the discipline and keep that going, and and do everything that it takes to keep that successful program rolling, which he certainly did. What brought about your want to move to a small town like Schulenburg, back to this area? It's, well, the, the biggest thing was is the two schools mm-hmm. were combining in Bernie. And, and you never know how smooth the trends are. I mean, uh, that's going to be. You, you don't know if it's, is it going to be smooth? Is it going to be, uh, uh, you know, a, a troubled time in Bernie? And, uh, and uh, Kyle would have been my son. Kyle was a, would have been a sophomore or something in that mix or a freshman in that mix when the schools finally came, you know, together. Uh, and I just felt like uh, the uncertainty there. And then uh, Dale Pitts, the, the guy that I was talking to, was superintendent in Schulenburg. And he was in Yorktown. I was in Yorktown with him. And, and Dale was in Schulenburg. And, you know, and he convinced me that, you know, to come down there and, and look at the situation in Schulenburg. And I knew Schulenburg program had been, you know, decently good over the years. Mickey Finley was uh, there. And Mickey was like uh, 11 and 1, I think, the year before I got there. And they had a good group of seniors. And, uh, you know, um, but, uh, you know, it, it really came down to the fact that uh, Sarah and I are both from smaller towns. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a it's a lot easier we thought uh, to keep up with your kids in a small town America, mm-hmm. and uh, we we loved the experience at Yorktown for her and Gonzalez for me, and we felt like it was the best thing to do for our kids. And uh, I don't know if the kids felt that way. And in fact, there was you know they're in a now I said earlier it wasn't that big of a deal when we went to Bernie. Right, but when we went to Schulenburg, you know, Kyle's going to be an eighth grader, and and Ross a fifth grader, sixth grade, no sixth grader, and Reagan was like fourth, and they were, um, let's just say they were very disappointed in the fact that we weren't staying at Bernie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it didn't take them long. Yeah, kids are, you know, oh, I feel so sorry for those kids moving. It takes all mm-hmm. but one or two days to, for those kids to get acclimated. Uh, athletics has a lot to do with that. Uh, the better athletes you are, like Colin Ross were and, and, and Reagan in uh, the different sports, uh, you know, you can you can meet a lot of people in a hurry. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think, you know, as much as they uh, frowned upon it early, uh, I, I thought they got to really enjoy the the experience in Schulenburg. And I and I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Even though it was leaving a very quality situation in Bernie. Were there any good restaurants in that quality situation? In? In Bernie. Yeah. (laughs) You know, back then, I think you had mentioned, what did you mention? You mentioned the... Uh, I I love the Hungry Horse. The Hungry Horse was excellent and Bumps was... Bum Doodlers, too. I don't think, you know, if you ask Sarah, I think it would be Bumps first and then the Hungry Horse, but... uh, it was the, it was, you know, you couldn't find a spot to park at, at Bums. I know that, and Hungry Horse same way. 
So yeah. you know everybody else thought the same thing you thought that it was the best, one of the better places yeah. to eat. Uh, unfortunately, uh, on a Friday night, I don't know if Bums is open because you know it's like more of a lunch place. Right, they could be. I mean, depending on how early you get there, but uh, yeah, I mean it, that's they always got that broccoli cheese soup. It's so oh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, both of those places would certainly. Rudy's out on Interstate. Yeah, you know, if you're a barbecue person, and I've always thought Rudy's. Uh, I liked it, you know. Of course, like there, right. very little food that I don't like. And Hungry Horse and Bums both were I could eat there anytime, anytime, yeah. and be satisfied eating there. This one was after your time. Uh, there, of course, I think probably in the last seven or eight years, I don't know, I might be wrong on that, but Little Gretel that's right there on the river. If you get there early enough to sit down at a place, yeah, pretty pretty unique cuisine in that place, I'd say. Exactly, you know, but. Well, Bernie certainly uh, has changed a lot over the years since we've been there. And, and I had, Sarah's been there probably more than I have visiting people and stuff. Mm -hmm. and it's just, it, it's grown. Yeah. It, it's grown. It's like I said there. I know they're going, uh, building the third, what you call it, the third uh, middle school. And I don't know how many elementary schools they have now, but I bet it's a, it's a bunch. And, and eventually, I, 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 I don't see a, a way around Bernie and Bernie Champion not being in the same district. Yeah. I, sooner than later, real life is going to catch up with them that I think they're mm -hmm. both going to be. Uh, and, and that'll be really interesting when that happens. They'll definitely want to play their basketball games <laughs> on a football field. <laughs> that will be really interesting. And I know, uh. you know, they've really tried uh, with the numbers and stuff. You know, they've kept that, you know, this enrollment down or that enrollment up or whatever. But I just think eventually it'll it'll catch up with the moment numbers. Yeah. And, and hopefully, if they ever do end up playing, they'll remember on both sides that you know the second high school being named after Mr. Champion. He sure wouldn't want any bickering between the two. Oh, well, you know. No. Uh, well, maybe a little bit, but all in good fun. You know, <laughs> got to be competitive on both sides. Yeah, but yeah. Sam could. He could. He was. You know, we played people that uh, the Alamo Heights. Yeah. And the and the. Kerbills and those people. Mm -hmm. Sam could get. He, he was good. He was always good yeah. to have on the sidelines. He was always down there on the sidelines, mm -hmm. and uh, it was always good to have him down there on the sidelines. I loved the fact that he was down there. Yeah, so. it's amazing though that they have kept him separate as long as they have. That's going to be interesting when that does. It, you know, if when that does happen, or if they build a third high school, but I don't know what classification they're going to gun for that one to be to make sure none of them play each yeah, other. Yeah, they may. Bernie may try to pull the. the I say pull. Uh, Frisco does that in North Texas, mm -hmm. where they have five or six schools, and they're, you know, all the same. There are no six A's in there. Mm -hmm. they, instead of letting the school grow into a six A, it's got twenty five hundred, three thousand kids. Frisco didn't want that. They'd build a new high school, and like I said, they've got, I, I say six or seven. They may be more than that now. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Bernie, I think the third high school. I'm sure they have land for the third high school. Mm -hmm. Uh. When is that going to be in the future? I guarantee it's in the future plans. Yeah, certainly. Right. But but I think before that happens, I think that they'll those two Bernie teams will be in the same district again. Yeah, I'll predict that sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. So you come back over here and and uh, get a chance to. Um, is this the first place that you'd ever coached that had previously won a state championship? Is that correct to say? Yes. All the other, the, the three other schools is, you know, we, we were, we advanced further in the three other schools than they ever had in the history of the school. Right. Yes, and sir. And Yorktown and Columbus and, uh, and 
Bernie. Mm -hmm. And when we got to Schulenburg, like I said, they had some state championships in the early 90s. Right. And, uh, you know, the quality of the program, the kids understood. uh, And and I thought Mickey did a great job here. And like I said, he had a good group of seniors. He had about 20 seniors, which, again, our numbers were down the next couple years. uh, As far as we had about 10 seniors in each of those two years. And and the district was... uh, like I said, it was crazy. It, right. it was crazy to the fact that we were playing teams like Yoakum and uh, and Houseville and Rice and Edna and mm-hmm. Hempstead and uh, very difficult uh, big schools. And our enrollment at the time was probably 220. And we were playing schools like uh, any of those that, that had 300, 350, uh, almost 400 kids in it. And, but that was the alignment back then. Mm-hmm. You didn't have big and small and Eventually, when we got big and small, uh, it helped us a bunch. We ended up going three out of four years in the playoffs when we had the big and small schools separated. Now, we'd still be in there with, like, East Minority people. It wasn't like, oh, gosh, you don't have to worry about anybody else. Right. But at the same time, it was much better to play East Minority once than play everybody, you know, with that, with that other group of district schedule that we had with Rice. And mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, just looking at, at some of these playoff runs and uh, like the, the one in 2010, and I believe you said the other day Kyle was a junior. He was junior that year. Ross was a freshman. And just the, the teams that you guys have to play that year, San Saba, East Bernard, Refurio, all in the, the final eight teams that are in there this year. San Saba, I believe, is in the final four. You know, Refurio right. is nearly, you know, every always. Yeah, they're always just right there. Uh, that's a pretty tough uh, order to run there. So. Yeah, we ended up playing Referio. We played him in the Alamo Dome, and uh, you know we worked it out where uh, you know that I, I wanted the opportunity to play there for our kids, for our school, for our town, uh, and and I know uh, Referio wanted to do the same thing. Uh, you know, you get ideal conditions. Why not? Why, why play in Northern blowing twenty miles an hour outside, and it's cold and rainy and stuff like that? I'd much rather play. I don't. You know, I'm not old school Chicago Bears type mentality that, you know, will hopefully the freeze will freeze you out. And we, no, I wanted to play there, and it was, you know, it was a great experience. I wouldn't certainly wouldn't trade the fact that we did that, and you know, our kids competed real well that that day against Referio, and uh, and uh, ended up losing by seven. And uh, we had an onside kick at the end that we didn't recover to have an opportunity to tie it up, or we'd probably I say tied up. We would have went for two. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have tied it up. Uh, and uh, But like I said, you, you got to be proud of the kids uh, for what we accomplished that year and, and, and the way we finished our season. We had a, a good group of uh, seniors. We didn't have many. We had about nine or ten seniors that year. But every one of them played. Mm-hmm. Every one of them. Chris Flores played. He was a senior. He played. Uh, Chris was offensive, 300-pound offensive lineman for us. Excellent. He played his freshman year. He, he's probably a handful. I, I don't know of four or five freshmen that played for me uh, ever. And as, as a freshman, you, you just the, the kids normally physically sometimes were, but mentally they they weren't. That's you, the biggest thing. Did y'all always have a JV in Yorktown and Schulenburg? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. always had a JV and. And like I said, that, that, that was, I think it's important to have that. I, I don't think uh, – I think the worst thing you can do is have, uh, a 
you know, you have about 40 on your squad and you don't want to put a JV because you want to use the depth here, but you go to a game on Friday night and half those people don't get an opportunity to play the game. I think the only way you get better is you have to play football games. I don't think practicing is the ultimate, uh, I'm talking about for JV age kids. Uh, you know, does it help? Yes, it helps to get extra practices. But at the same time, I just think you have to play games to, to make yourself a better athlete. And that's what we had said earlier. I'm not talking about playing on kickoff team. I'm, not, I'm talking about playing your position. Get out there and play a receiver. Get out there and play a DB or whatever you play. And uh, you, you, junior high is the same way. I think kids have to go play. We struggled in junior high in Schulenburg when I first got here because we didn't have the numbers in our junior high. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we would, you know, we really fought hard each week to have a seventh and eighth grade team. Why? We knew if we played just an eighth grade that those seventh graders wouldn't get an opportunity to play. And consequently, they weren't going to be uh, what they needed to do to develop. So, uh, you know, we, we worked really hard at times to get a JV and junior high games here in Schulenburg. But it, it, like I said, it ended up uh, panning out for us pretty well, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, in the two bigger schools that you that you worked in, Columbus and Bernie, probably real rare that you'd ever have a freshman, right? Hunter Lawrence, probably one of the few freshmen that yeah. ends and, up. And Hunter, like I said, Chris Hartcock kicked for us. Uh-huh. Chris kicked. Right. So it, it wasn't that, but but at the same time, was Hunter capable? If we had put Hunter in, he would have been capable. Yeah. But Chris uh, kicked the ball the year before for us, and Chris was very capable Senior, mm-hmm. I think Chris was a senior at that time. I, I thought, yeah, because Hunter kicked it. Yes, sir. He he was, uh, and him. and he was very capable of doing it. And and I'm not going to take the opportunity away from Chris Hartcock. And uh, you know, but you are right. I I don't. Gosh, somebody. And I know I'm forgetting somebody, but I don't recall anybody in, in, on the Bernie days. Well, Why? We didn't need to. We we had yeah. so many. That's what I was going to say. I remember all my friends were so bummed our sophomore year because I I want to say Turner Dial and either Matt Bullard or Carl Klein were the only two, like there was only two sophomores out of our group that made it. Exactly. And the the jealousy, I would say, was rampant. But the thing about (laughs) it is what you have to understand there is it was nothing to have 32 seniors. Uh It was nothing to have 45 juniors behind the 32 seniors. Right. You didn't have, you know... A true program that, that we had, we didn't feel like we wanted those. Those sophomores were going to be up there if they played each week and if they played a lot. They weren't going to right. go, you know, play special teams or play. Yeah. We got plenty of people to do that. Yeah. And, and if, if you didn't play, if you didn't play a lot or if you didn't start, then we really didn't want you up there as a sophomore, much less a freshman. Mm-hmm. We didn't want you up there as a sophomore. Yeah. So in Columbus, boy, again, offhand, and I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm mentally maybe skipping after a 10-year period that we were there. I don't remember. We had a freshman, a couple freshmen in uh, Yorktown, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the Bassbinder kid. The Bassbinder kid played JV as a freshman. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the big offensive line right. the Baylor. You know, you would think, oh, well, he played. No. No, because, our, again, our theory is, you can get better at the JV level by playing every play. And you play offense, you can play defense. We might not have had but 15, 20 people on JV. Right. And you can make yourself a better football player. Travis Ehrlich, and when I say Travis Ehrlich, that, that comes to mind, and, and, and I'm going back to Yorktown days again, but it, but it sticks to the point that we're talking about. 
Travis was a junior that played on the JV for us in Yorktown. A junior in a, mm -hmm. in a small school like that. And, you know, was Travis, you know, happy the fact that he was playing? No. He probably wanted to play at the varsity level, but we had some good offensive linemen, and he wouldn't get as much playing time. And, uh, you know, he, he came and, and worked his tail. He was that type of kid. He didn't mm -hmm. work his tail off. He coaches in Fall City now. He's a good friend of mine. And uh, he played football his junior year, senior year, probably one of the best offensive linemen we had. Why? Because Repetition. he did exactly <laughs> what he was going to do to make himself better. He lifted, got stronger, and played every down. He didn't play offense, play defense, and just played. And he made himself a better football player for the next year. Mm. Just an example, but it was a really good example of the fact that uh, that's what we wanted our program to develop. We wanted to keep as many of those freshmen and sophomores where they needed to be in smaller, like Yorktown and stuff, on the JV. And, of course, in Bernie, you had two freshman teams. You had a sophomore team. You had a JV team. And, you know, mm -hmm. so it, it was a lot of kids playing in, in Bernie at the time. Right. So in Schulenburg, uh, was there that feeling, I guess, among – people here that because they had won state championships before that it was like more pressing than the other three spots? I think I got reminded that we won a state championship 20 years ago more than yeah. any place. But at the same time, you know, you're proud of the fact that you did. Yeah. But but again, like I always said, uh, 100% of the kids weren't even born at that time. Right. They understand the tradition. They see mm -hmm. a state championship trophy in the, in the case. But at the same time, it wasn't like it was yesterday. And, 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 I, and I saw, you know, a lot of people take to the fact that it was yesterday. And, uh, you know, we, we certainly talked about those years in Schulenburg. But it was, again, 20-something years earlier than... Well, I, I think about, you know, the, the cross-country team I was on. None of us live in Bernie anymore. Do, do a lot of the kids that played for you in Columbus that were, you know, the top tier and uh, the ones that end up going to the NFL and, you know, to the big colleges, I mean, do they live back uh, necessarily in those, in those towns? Because a lot of the time it seems like, you know, you may have those periods of really big success, but the, the kids that are a part of that big success, a lot of the time they go on right. maybe elsewhere in life. Elsewhere. And so, so do their children. Right. Well, I know, uh, well, especially probably in the, in the Yorktown, I went to attend a funeral a couple weeks ago, an athlete that I coached in the mid-80s, mm -hmm. Lee Metting. Lee was a heck of a kid, but, and I call him a kid, he's 46 years old, and uh, ended up passing. And I saw a lot of guys there uh, from back in the days, and most of them don't, some of them live in Yorktown. Yeah. I would say the majority doesn't. Columbus, yeah. it, it's I say it's the same way. I saw Andrew Waddle a couple weeks or a couple months ago in in uh, Lagrange, and I think he lives around the area. Uh, of course, all the Shovels, Matt and Aaron and Bo and Ryan, uh, they all live in Columbus. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it, it just depends. I, I'm almost like I said on what you said that people leave to go get bigger and better jobs at the in the city. Mm -hmm. You know, Reshawn Brown was an all-state running back that played for us, and Reshawn went to Houston. He, he got, gosh, he got his master's degree. He got his doctorate degree. Mm -hmm. I just told him, I saw him at Astros baseball game one time. Uh, 
three or four years ago, and I told him I refused to call him Dr. Brown. I said, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> he laughed. And we had a good time with it. But Rishon was that type of kid. He ended up going to Texas State, played mm-hmm. four years at Texas State. And, uh, again, he was he was had 2,400 yards rushing his senior year. He was, he was a dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, you know, funny the fact that what we're talking about. He, he, were, he was in Houston basically his whole life. Right. Because it was, you know, the opportunities. Yeah. That's where the opportunities were in, in the fields that he was. He was in the education field. Now, I say teaching, more of an administrative field type thing. And, uh, you know, you a lot know, of respect for him. Yeah, I think about that too because uh, I worked in Ozona and the girls' basketball team won a couple state titles out there. And uh, the girls that were on that team, I only met like one or two of them that are in that whole picture. And so many small towns, you know, like whether it be Ozona or Rock Springs or Menard, just different places I've lived in, so many of the kids that are on the walls, they never come back. Right. You know? I think that's it. I think it's it, it, that's the reason you need to have, uh, you know, alumni nights and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Whether you do it during the girls' volleyball, oh, I just mean during, to live. I know yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. But just right. To, because you are right. Right. Because a lot of those people. They, they don't live there. Yeah. They're not going to live there. They're going to go to opportunities elsewhere. And, uh, you know, and, you know, you don't see them. You know, the, the biggest thing we have here is we have the big pound celebration mm-hmm. each summer. You know, every town has that. And, and um, Yorktown has like Western Days type thing. And you'll see a lot of kids come back then and, and, and you talk to. But, but again, like I said, they... The kids, the the opportunity, the job opportunities that they're after aren't in Yorktown. They aren't mm-hmm. in Schulenburg. Right. They're in San Antonio. They're in Houston. They're in Austin. They're in Dallas. They're in the city. And, and a lot of kids uh, move on because of that. I think that's the biggest reasoning. Yeah. I think they love the small town. Most of those people love what the small town has done for them. But at the same time, it doesn't do enough for them in the fact that their kids' um, job opportunities aren't there that they that they need so mm-hmm. the reason small town america is is i don't want to say dying but it's getting smaller and smaller yeah. because of that reason people are moving away and because of opportunities that they don't have there right all, all those school enrollments of those places that i that i, I know in west in, texas they're way, they way dropping. you way bet down. um did you feel like going from Yorktown to Columbus or from Bernie to Schulenburg, like the adjustment from smaller to big or bigger to small, was either adjustment any different or did you? No, I, of... I never felt it was it was a problem. It, it, it was you had to manage probably a little bit more in Bernie because mm-hmm. of the numbers, mm-hmm. but but you you still and you had it still you you organized your workouts according to numbers. Because the freshmen, we didn't practice with the freshmen in Bernie. They didn't practice with us. They had their own period. We'd come up there at 7 o'clock. We'd work from 7 to to 8.45. And then we would, remember, we had to bust them back both to the campus. Mm-hmm. They, they bust them up to our high school campus. Then they had to bust back to north and south because the ninth right. graders were in our middle school at that time. And uh, But you just had to, you, you had to pencil a little bit more when you had uh 70 kids on the varsity and you had uh, mm-hmm. 40 on the JV and you had 30 on the sophomore team. You had a lot of kids out there. Right. And you, But it wasn't a big difference. It, it wasn't a hassle for me mm-hmm. because you were doing the, you had more coaches too. Mm-hmm. 
go, well, you had more kids. You had more coaches with the kids. So, right. you know, you could still get that ratio down to where you needed to be. And it, it, it never was, to me, uh, oh, my God, the sidelines feel so much different at Bernie than they do at Yorktown. Right. Oh, it really wasn't. Yeah, again, you, 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 had to, you had to manage it. But, but I had great coaching staffs that that was their job, too, uh, special teams. If somebody went down, it wasn't me. It was in, in Bernie. It was Coach Padilla took care of it. I am. Mm. Defensively, I didn't. Danny would tell me, well, Jordan's out this play, Coach. He's got an ankle problem. And, and you know, but I, you know, it, but that's their responsibility to take yeah. care of. And when you have quality coaches like the Padillas and Thread Gills, you know, it makes your job so much easier that, you know, I still call the offense. I've always called the offense in 31 years. Uh, you know, uh, I. Gilbert Price was was like in Schulenburg was he was always Gilbert was always upstairs with me, uh, but uh, and he helped me a lot. Boy, he helped me a lot. But as far as calling plays, uh, I had done it my whole career, and 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 uh, I was going to continue to do it. Number one, I, I'm the one, and a lot of people knew our offense, but they didn't know the offense well enough to mm -hmm. call plays and. Uh, I just felt like if I'm going to go down on Saturday morning mm -hmm. on a call, I'm going to probably go down on the one that I called. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know that sounds like, oh, that, that sounds crazy. But but it's not – I never thought it was crazy to say. And it, and it didn't bother me. A lot of people say, well, I can't manage the game if I have to call the offense or the defense. I never had that problem. I could manage a game on, you know – if I'm running the offense, and when I say managing the game, you know, you have to yeah. make other decisions. You have to, but again, right. when you have quality people, again, Coach Collinsworth was the same. Was the same thing. And offensive line coach, of course, he was with me here at Schulenburg some, and he was with me at Bernie. And uh, same way, you, you didn't. I didn't talk to offensive line. Yeah. I didn't have to talk to offensive line because you know he he had it. Trust me, mm -hmm. he had it under control. And yeah. You didn't worry about those things, and you know I think it's a staff that you put together, and I've always been blessed, blessed with uh, good staff, because mm -hmm. it is a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. So you you had uh, there there are a lot of coaches that will coach their own kids, you know, and and so some coaches that listen to this might look for some advice in that and everything. You had quite a bit of success with your kids on the team here at Schulenburg. What uh, what did you find tough about that? What did you find rewarding about that? Just talk a little bit about that. Well, first of all, the rewarding part of it is, you know, you get to be with kids. Mm -hmm. You're at work. This is your job. And your kids are at the job with you. And you get to spend a lot of quality time with them. I wouldn't trade it for nothing. Zero. Yeah. wouldn't trade it. it. It was the best experience of my life. And was, were there some times where, you know, there were some jealous people around that, oh, you know, Kyle's scoring this many touchdowns or Ross is throwing, you have to throw the ball that much. We, have, Man, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to, whatever the best thing puts us in position to win football games, if we got inside the three or four yard line, it was no different than Matt Schobel in Columbus. Let me think. Matt is 6'5", 235 at quarterback. Do you want to run the quarterback sneak on the goal line? I think it's a good idea. And it was the same thing with Kyle. And it, it, it wasn't any different, but Again, there, there's jealousy that probably flies around more than anything that you have to deal with. Uh, but at the same time, the football people, 
Well, they understand if you have a quarterback that's 6'3", 225, 230, mm-hmm. that he's pretty valuable inside. Or if you have a, you know, that Ross can throw the ball, and Ross really had a great release on the ball and could throw the ball really well, that, uh, you know, they want, oh, you got to throw the ball every time. Well, you can't do that. You're not going to be near as effective throwing the ball every time. Even though Ross, again, had probably one of the better releases at quarterback uh, that I've coached. Mm-hmm. But you are, we still ran the ball a lot. We spread the ball out and ran the ball. A lot of people say, oh, if you spread the ball, you're going to pass it. Well, really, you can spread it and look at Texas Tech. I mean, they spread the thing out and they lead the conference almost in rushing sometimes. Of course, don't get me wrong. They throw the ball around too, but they run the ball real well also. And, and you know, we, we did those things. Whatever we felt would help us win football games, that's probably the avenue we went to. Yeah. When, when you talked a little bit about that the other day, uh, and, you know, I, I think back to seeing Ross and Kyle as, as much smaller kids, you know, out there right. at the Little League parks. And, of course, I had seen, uh, you know, a little bit of Kyle either, you know, as I told you in the Dave Campbell magazine, as, uh, you know, from his senior year or on the social media I hadn't seen Ross in forever, and he opened the door today, and I, I think I would sneak it in if I was right. one yard away. Yeah, that exactly. seems like a good strategy. Exactly right. For... And, and, but again, that, that's just, you deal with those things, and, and yeah. you, don't, uh, you don't let it. I, I, I never listened to it a lot. I, I wasn't involved with the, mm-hmm. you know, if they didn't. I wasn't a social media person. I, right. I didn't read. I don't care what they said. I mean, yeah. I had a principal tell me one time we were dealing with something. I don't know what we were dealing with. Well, we're getting bashed on Facebook right now. And I looked her straight in the face and I said, I don't really give a flying flip if we're getting. <laughs> yeah. I really don't. Right. I mean, that's not my problem. You got people out there that have nothing else to do in their life but talk about people on social media and they think that's the gospel truth. I think it's the worst thing in the history. Mm-hmm. If you want my opinion, social media, the way people can cowardly say things on social media and hide behind their keyboard right, and say what they want to say that it's just maliciously not true, mm-hmm. whether it be about Schulenberg football or the world in general. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and I have a big problem with that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think the guys were ever affected by it. I don't think Ross and, you know, you kind of keep that, you know, stuff away from they were they played football they, they and they had good friends that they played football with and they had friends that they respected each other and you know so I don't think it was uh, on our football team as much as it was sometimes in, in our community mm-hmm. that, that people had some different ideas of what they needed and wanted here yeah uh, I've been on this long road trip over the course of this week. It could have been you in, in our discussion that didn't record. It could have been someone else I visited with. But I, someone said this week that the, the most terrible thing in small towns is the jealousy that can often exist in them. It's, it can be like the most destructive factor in any success that you have, you know, when people let the, those kind of things overtake them, you know. I don't think there's any question that, that it's a detriment to your team sometimes mm-hmm. because what happens is when the when the and it's it's normally uh, some parents that that of course uh, have this feeling and that that kind of rubs off on the kids sometimes right and and that's where 
you know, we were blessed that I, I don't really think it affected our team in mm -hmm. 2010, 2011. You know, Kyle was a quarterback. He was an all-state quarterback. He was a kicker. He was an all-state kicker. He was a punter. He was an all-state punter. Uh, he kicked off. He punted. He quarterbacked. He played defensive end. He, he didn't get out of the game a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay? Why? Yeah. Because he was my son. Ah, no. He, <laughs> he was the best punter we had. He was the best kicker we had. Yeah. He was the uh, best defensive end, you know. He, yeah. he was a pretty good quarterback. And, and, right. You know, but people twist things like they have to twist things, and that's okay. Yeah. As long as I'm, I'm, you know, I get paid for what I do. I, right. I, I, I'll take anything that people had to say, and, and people are downright uh, rude sometimes, but at the same time, I, I don't, you deflect that stuff off your kids, and you, you keep going. And you know you're trying to do things right. And you know your staff is trying to do things right, and uh, you try not to worry about the the people that are negative. Right. Yes, sir. Um, looking at as as your time in Schulenburg concludes, I mean, unless you have anything else to add about your time in Schulenburg. No, just the fact that, like I said, I, I probably didn't didn't leave the coaching profession in Schulenburg like I wanted to. Mm -hmm. The board decided to table a vote, and uh, and which simply means that they didn't vote on my contract, which still gave me another year on my contract when I left. But I, but I had the idea of even a long time ago. I, of course, when you're 31 years as an AD head football coach, you understand a couple things. And if enough people don't want you here, it's fine. And, and the board, you know, was sending a message that they didn't what we were doing. They didn't want here. And, uh, you know, they, I guess they thought somehow, I, I think there were some people in our community that influenced our board a lot. And uh, I really feel that, uh, you know, you, you can't dwell on that. It was still my decision to retire. Mm -hmm. I, I still had to make that decision. But the fact is, like I said, if you truly don't want me here, I had an avenue to go. My other avenue would be to leave and go somewhere else. Yeah, I wasn't going to go do that. My daughter was still, she was a junior in high school at that time. It allowed me to watch, like I said, I told you the last time, I watched 40-something volleyball games that year. I bet I hadn't watched 40 in my career, much less, you know, and she was playing and, you know, got to see her cheerlead, you know, went to a couple football games. Didn't really like that. Didn't really like sitting there. I'd, I'd sit on the side. I sat in the middle one time as a mistake, and there mm -hmm. were more people saying stupid stuff that you know you. It's right. better to kind of keep yourself out of the out of the middle. Mm -hmm. And uh, but you know I I enjoyed it. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed watching Reagan play volleyball, and and we won state championship in volleyball. Uh, and. Uh, you know, we had some good girls. We had an all-state girl with the uh, McKeskey girl, Shannon McKeskey, that was super athlete for us. And uh, but McKeskey was a type of, of player. Remember, I, I think I mentioned it earlier. I don't know if you remember. She was a type player that made the other girls better. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that, you can raise the level of play by your. You want to call them average kids? Call them average then. But but you raise the level of their play and you're going to get more out of the situation. And I thought Shannon certainly did that with her presence playing. And like I said, we ended up winning the state championship in volleyball. So, you know, I've got a lot of pleasant 
memory. I've got more pleasant memories than negative memories Absolutely. in Chulifer. I don't let the negative people in this community influence me one way or the other. I thought Coach Brown, um, he's never, ever treated me anything but as professional as the world is. Mm -hmm. I think he's a quality person. Uh, he's just a very good person that'll, you know, that, like I said, I've talked to him numerous times and, and uh, I, I've had no reason to think he, you know, you're putting him in the middle situation. He came and took the job. If me and Coach Brown talked today, we would have a lot of similar stories to tell. Right. But but that's small town America at its best. Mm -hmm. And and you know, and people don't like what you're doing. They don't like the way you're playing people. And you know, and to me, I I just never. I I, I think I drew a lot of ear from from those people in. Schulenberg, because I didn't really, uh, didn't really bother me. I didn't ever get caught up with it. Like I said, I didn't do social media, so I didn't get caught right. up with it anyway. And, and I think that made uh, some of the people even more crazy than they were. Well, some of that stuff about social media and all of these easy ways to communicate these days, I, I wish that a lot of parents and kids would think about that and maybe have some discussions at home about not sending things out in a, in a time where, again, you're emotional, you know, talk, kind of talking about the upset parent right after the game. You know, there's there's better times to handle things, and usually you handle them much better if you give yourself a little bit of time. Social media, a lot of the time, doesn't allow us to give any time. It's totally just agree. that immediate thing, and a lot of the time it finds, you know, kids or parents in trouble. Or Plus it's immediate, plus I can hide behind it, too. Yeah, I don't. I don't have to speak. You know, the best communication I can ever do as a person is talk to somebody face to face. Right. Because if if he can tell me face to face, then I probably got more respect for him than he hides behind the computer and talks about it on the computer. Right. I don't want that. You yeah. got something you need to say? Come on down. Yeah. And we'll talk. And and that's fine. I may not agree with what you're saying, but that's fine. And I've said that to parents a lot of times. I respect the fact that you're coming here saying this, but this is the way we're going to probably handle the situation. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, that's the way we're going to handle it. Your 37th all-time, tied for 37th all-time on the wins list, and I don't know how important any of this stuff is to you, but I just throw it out there. Do you have any idea on you know anybody that's done 20 seasons, what's your, what's your average? It's almost eight wins a season. What does that compare to as far as uh, – because, you know, if you did that for 45 years, you're going to be way higher on the wins list, you know, and some right. people will do something like that for 40 to 50 years and, and, and work their way up the list. Some people – uh, find a little bit more solitude in the world of retirement and enjoy, you know, uh, their daughter's volleyball games and, and right. things of that nature. Exactly. Different, different strokes for different folks, as they say. But where does your average wins per season for someone like with more than 20? Any idea where that ranks? No. I, no. I, I don't. Yeah. As far as that type of ranking, I knew that, you know, I knew that we, as a staff, I say as a staff, if I'm in charge of it as a staff, I, I, I knew over the years we have won 240 games. The reason I knew that, and, and it was set that I knew that, because Mac Brown had won at University of Texas in North Carolina in his career 240 games. Mm. And I always thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. And, and now Mac's back in it. He's at North Carolina again back in it. And, yeah. uh, you know, is it too old? I'm 62 years old, people say. Or is that too old to go coach? You don't look well, 50. Is, you, you better tell Saban. You better tell Mac Brown. You mm -hmm. better tell people like that that 
Oh boy, they're 67, 68 years old, and I think Alabama, other than this year versus Clemson, has done a pretty good job with him being 67 years old. Yeah, I don't. It's like riding a bicycle. You get back on the bicycle and you can yeah. run it. I, I can watch football, and I'll watch football on TV, and you know, you just you call out formations, you call out stuff that you, you're familiar with, and the game really, oh, the game has passed you by. I never felt that. I, I really haven't. Yeah. Never have. I, I, I think, like I said, you, you know, you got valuable experience that, uh, you know, you can utilize at places. And I helped in Flatonia. I, I worked with Coach Freitag and worked offensive coordinator over him a couple years ago and enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah. Because I was, uh, was a head coach and, uh, and I could uh, coach. A lot of times as a head coach, you can't coach because you're involved with other stuff that stops you from doing that. And uh, I enjoyed it. We went fourth round, got the quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. That year ended up losing to Burton, who was a very, very good football team that we lost to. And uh, But we had some good kids. And, uh, you know, you figured it out pretty quick. You know, you boy, you were in good places. You were in Yorktown. And, you know, and again, we had to develop Yorktown into a better program, which Joey did the first four years. And then we just kept what he had instilled in the program and kept it going. But you had people like those places, uh, Bernie, and you had good people there. Mm -hmm. You had quality individuals there. And, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it, was, it was a wonderful place to be. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, Flatonia, uh, you know, and I ended up getting out of Flatonia because Kyle was, uh, working in Columbus, and I wanted to go watch them on Friday nights play football. That yeah. was the reason I didn't help Flatonia. I enjoyed the heck out of it. Coach Freitag, super person, and, and that's what I wanted to be a part of. If I was going to be an assistant, I wanted to be at a place that was I had fun at, and we when we right. you know coached the football, and before we did, a, I thought Chris did an excellent job of coaching the game and getting the kids ready to play, and you know, and you know I would. If it was fourth down, I would ask him, you want to go for it? Yeah. It wasn't my decision, mm -hmm. and, and which is okay. It right. Bother me. I've got three plays, four plays on my sheet that if i got to get you're okay. You want to run it? Okay, let's go. Yeah. I got it. So, but but that's, you, you got to coach more. You got to coach a lot more being an assistant. And understand, I was an assistant the first four years, and then for 31 straight years, I was a head coach. So I hadn't had that opportunity to kind of separate myself from that, you know, AD world. Right. Parent world sometimes that you have to deal with and talk to. And, and you know, you, you get back to Flatonia and it's refreshing to be out there. And this is what you're doing. You know, Chris used to be called to meetings. I used to just laugh at him. Hmm. You know, it was funny. Yeah, yeah. It was funny to me because I said, you know, that this, all right, Chris, this is it. Yeah. This is the reason why it's so much better for me right now. Yeah. And, you know, dealing with stuff. And, boy, you, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. Right. I told you it's not a big school, but they have problems just like everybody else. Absolutely. And AD sometimes has to deal with a lot of those problems. And and the coaches normally don't have a lot to do with it. Hmm. So. Well, you don't look 50. You said you're 62. You don't look 50. Do you think about going back in? Heavens, yes. Yeah. At the right place, no question. Yeah. No, no question. You know, like I said, I, I don't ever feel like, uh, well, you're too old. You're, you're not. You, you, no. I mean, you know, I, I think it's, it's something for experience. Mm -hmm. I think it's something for, you know, if you look at the programs over the years, certainly we've had discipline in our programs. Uh, 
we've had quality programs that we've built up. Uh, if it wasn't there when we got there, then we built the program up to where it is. And, uh, you know, do I feel like I can continue to do that somewhere? Yeah, given the right opportunity in the right place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to go just to go. Right. I don't want to coach just to coach. Yeah. I, I want to coach in a quality program that, uh, like I said, you, you've got kids that want to play the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and, I, and I think certainly – uh, the experience level that I have can add to uh, a lot of different places. Right. But, but again, time will tell. I don't press that. I don't, I don't yeah. worry about that. If it happens, guess what? That's good. If it doesn't happen, guess what? That's good. So. Well, if anybody's listening to this that's looking for one and they, and they target you and you're interested for their kids, that's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you feel like, you know, one thing, you go, oh, the game's I don't. I don't think that nearly the game has passed me by, and, and, and certainly, I, I know the communication factor with kids and parents hasn't passed me by. I, I know the fact that you have to to communicate with teachers and administrators and you know principals and you, you and superintendents and uh, communication and it, it's just it's things that that make up an entire program that uh, you're, you're pretty confident that you have, and uh, you're, you're pretty confident that you haven't lost any of that. And it just depends on what people are looking for. They may be looking for that younger blood, which I definitely understand that. Right now in the NFL, they are looking for the younger blood uh, coordinators. Mm-hmm. Well, the coach at Texas Tech, he gets fired at Texas Tech, and the next week gets hired in the NFL. Yeah. And a lot of people say, oh, that shouldn't happen. He's a brilliant offensive-minded coach. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Can he handle the day-to-day in the NFL? I don't know. Can anybody? I mean, a new coach, if you haven't got, I don't care if you're he, – I don't know how old he is. He's probably 40, 40-ish. But if you're 55 or you're 40, you still have to handle the coaching in the NFL. And there's a lot of first-year coaches that are 50 years old that they have to hire. I mean, they have to do it just like the 38-year-old, 39-year-old. Yeah, you know. So, well, you know, uh, one of the tough sells for someone my age and and you know in this profession is is like I mean I have a flip phone so like <laughs> a lot of my peers they'll group text with all their athletes not necessarily exactly where I'm at but in some places I've seen that with a lot of coaches these days and a lot of the time you end up with big issues you know so sometimes the fact that certain things have passed you by it's not a problem at all. You know, <laughs> the things that passed you by may not be the worst things. That's exactly right. They, exactly. The, the problems may pass you by with it. You know, that's exactly and, right. And, uh, some of those spots. I mean, it's a, it's a great communication factor. Yeah, I, I think President Trump does it for one reason. Mm-hmm. I can reach the masses of people the quickest. Right. Well, you know, if you're at a baseball game or something, and you're a playoff game, or if you're at cross country regional cross countries, and you report back. Right. That's a good way to use it. Yeah. Because Stan Leach did it. Oh, Lordy. He did it the best. Yeah. And because he kept people in, you know, and that's what he's doing. Whether we're at a baseball game, you can see him down there, you know, mm-hmm. on social media and getting it back to individuals in Bernie that this is what was happening. And so there, there's some positives, but you have to be careful because with, with, with any positive, there's always negatives. Absolutely. And you have to be careful with the negatives on how, how people handle that social media because it's very beneficial if you do it the right way yes sir 
Well, if you don't have anything else, I think I've taken plenty of your time. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. Yes, sir. You know, I, you, you enjoy the fact that, uh, you know, you have somebody like yourself uh, that, that, that cares enough to talk about Texas high school football and what it makes to be uh, a successful program, successful person. You know, my success may come this way, but there's about 50 ways that success can come forward. It's no different. It's a philosophy that I have in the weight room that, you know, we lift this and we get stronger. Well, somebody else is going to come in and go, well, we don't do it that way, but we do it this way. And when we test our athletes, we're stronger. We're mm -hmm. as strong. Right. We can do it this way and get, and it's no different than yeah. coaching. You know, the things that, again, that we do to be successful is different. But, you know, the common denominator is you're going to communicate. I don't care where you're at. You're going to communicate. Number two, you're going to have discipline. Even in 2019, you're going to have discipline, and you better have discipline. And uh, you, you've got people who mentally, they have to understand what it takes to be successful. All right? Lastly, uh, and, and this is probably sometimes the biggest, you're responsible for your actions. And I'm not talking all negative actions. I'm talking about preparing yourself to play the game, uh, or, or cross country if you're going to go out the night before the cross country meet well that's probably not a good idea right because you've got actions that are really going to affect your performance level and not only does it affect you it affects your teammates well kids have to understand that they have to be dedicated enough that uh, I'm going to do what it do what it takes for me to be successful I've got to do this 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 and when enough people get on the same page I'm going to be successful just like he's going to be successful, like this coach is going to be, because you have those kids on the right page. They may not be the best athletes, but sometimes better athletes don't always win. Because I always thought the team we played at San Saba that time when we were in, in uh, Schulenburg, mm -hmm. uh, I, I thought that was the, played the hardest, and I don't know if that's a West Texas mentality, mm -hmm. I think it is. Mm -hmm. Those kids played harder than anybody we played against. Yeah. And we come off the stupid bye, which again, I think I've told you that before. That, uh, but, but my point is, the coach, I, and I don't, bless his heart, I don't remember who the coach was, but he had those kids ready to play the game. And those kids were ready to play the game. And they played it full speed to the tilt. And, and I think that's what I'm talking about. He certainly captured the mentality of those kids to play the game. And to be successful in today's world, you still have to do it. Absolutely. You still have to do it. Well, thanks for taking the time, Coach, and thank you all for listening. And I, Again, I really do appreciate that you're doing something like this. Really you, do. You bet. I thanks. hope it I hope it benefits a lot of coaches around the state and you know, makes all parties involved, players, coaches, uh, parents, you know, administrators, right. board members, whatever well, it coaches is. Coaches would ever have any other questions, or anybody would have any other questions. Uh, certainly, you know, I, I, I'm not hiding in Schulenburg. I yeah. live in the same house for the last 10 years here. We've been in Schulenburg, and I'll certainly answer any questions. If anybody has any, I'll answer any questions anybody has. And if anyone sends any into the different little, you know, sources they'll be able to send it into for me whether it's the the facebook page that i've got ready to go or whatever i'll be sure and send them your way so well, i appreciate that and again i thank you for, to you for allowing you know allowing me to do this and talk about the programs and and what i think 
you know, you have to do to be successful. I really appreciate you letting me have this opportunity. Yes, sir. You bet. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. And please remember, if you could, to go and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Until next time.